Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That's Steven Jensen and shout out to Big Dick MLJ as always for the intro. It is Thursday, December 21st, the final show before Christmas. Steven Jensen, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I hope everyone watching is doing great today as well. Um, Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. I know 
Um, all my Jewish friends just celebrated Hanukkah, and then we got Christmas coming up. We got Kwanzaa, and we got everything coming up. And even if you aren't religious, which, to be fair, I'm not very religious myself, but I do get together with my family for the holidays and celebrate. Whether you're religious or you're not, I just hope that you just have some good, some good days here to surround the year up. So whether you're by yourself or you're with your family, um, I just hope I just hope everyone has a good last, you know, couple weeks here of of 2023 and. My, my big message to everybody, be kind to customer service workers and retail workers over the holidays. I am one of y'all. I have been one of y'all very many of these holiday seasons. Um, I know. So just be be nice to people who have to work during this time as well. Everyone who hears this. So, um, yes, happy holidays. Happy holidays, Jeremy. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Happy holidays as well. Yes, be kind customer service, retail, fast food as well. Like uh, anybody in the restaurant industry, basically anybody that's going to work on the holidays. Nobody wants to work during this time of year. I, I put I put the tweet up last year. I think it was last year or the year before. It was definitely like during the pandemic. I, I This is, you remind me, I went to Wendy's one of these days because I was, I was bored and I was lonely on the holidays. And I needed some food and I went to Wendy's and I got up to the drive-thru line and there was a strong smell of marijuana in the air. And I was like, where's this coming from? Oh, it's coming it's coming from inside the Wendy's. <laughs> so I rolled up and they made me some of the best food I've ever had at Wendy's that day. So I really appreciate the workers over the holidays, whether they're working fast food, retail, whatever it is. Do what you got to do. Get through the holidays. I appreciate y'all. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I love this time of year. Like, I'm glad I, I don't have to work as, as much this, this time of year, but like, I'll have to work a lot next next week. This week is is chill for me. Next week's going to be tough. And also, just so everyone knows, who's been following along for like my job interviews and my my promotion and stuff like that, I won't know until next week if I got the promotion or not. I did have my second interview, but the uh, what I also found out is that there's actually three positions opening for this role within the next sixty days. So if I don't get it this time, I should be in the running for the next couple. So. Should be on the up and up there too, but I'll keep everyone updated there. Anything else going on with you, Jeremy? I think so. We wish you continued luck and your uh, job promotion fight. Not like, oh, Thank it's you. A fight, but your your job promotion. I don't know if it's a search, just endeavors. I guess might yeah. be the right word there. Sure. Uh, so we I'm wish you to finish my story. Luck. You know. Yes, gotta finish your story. story. Someone's got to. Someone's got to. Yeah. Uh, guys, leave a thumbs up on the video. That really helps us out. Leave us a uh, super chat. Get your question, comment, statement read on the air. That really helps us out as well. In about two hours or so, we will air our interview with WCW legend, the greatest of all time. Somebody call his mama, Ernest the Cat Miller. Yes, Ernest the Cat Miller joined us. He'll be in the creator spotlight. Uh, that interview airs at about 1030-ish, we'll say. So get ready for, for that interview with Ernest the Cat Miller. That was a, a very fun time with Ernest the Cat Miller. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were planning it. We, we, had, um, we had spoken to him about doing like 20 to 30 minutes, and we went for like an hour and 20. So uh, prepare for that one. That is a, yeah. that is a fantastic interview. <laughs> Um, and full disclosure, it's one that started a little bit slow. Like, like <laughs> I started asking some questions and I was like, I don't know if the cat likes us or not. And then he wound up loving us and talked to us for a long time. So I, I, I think you guys are really like a lot of the stuff they had to say. He talks about everything from, from his time in WCW to his time in WWF to what he thinks about current day wrestling and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think you're going to enjoy it. 
you wanted to beat us up at one point. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I, live, I live close enough that we can make this happen though, too. We talked about that. I I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to my new year's, one of my new year's revolutions resolutions um, is, uh, is I, I got to get uh, some training, some karate training from the cat here in Atlanta. So like, so I'll probably do that like sometime in January. I'll get to start taking some classes from them and we'll, uh, maybe follow that journey a little bit as well. That'd be kind of a funny series to try to be learning karate from the cat. Man, little like eight-year-old me is like, are you serious right now? Like you're talking to the cat. That's so funny to me. Love these guys. All right, guys, let's get into our news. I'm trying to battle through this cold. I don't know what's going on. I have a bad cough today. I cannot afford to get sick during the holidays. I got you. Yeah, you do. You do what you, you got to do. I can. <laughs> I can. I can talk as long as we need to today. Just cannot. Cannot afford to get sick. All right, let's get into our, our topics of the day, everybody. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. AJ Styles is back to, I guess, finish his story. He finished his workouts, that's for sure. Uh, man, I was looking jacked, looking real good, brother. He returned on Friday night SmackDown to save Randy Orton and LA Knight from the bloodline and then attack LA Knight. And um, now he seems to be targeting maybe LA Knight, maybe Roman Reigns and the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Jensen, what did you make of AJ Styles' return on SmackDown? So I, this is very, and I know a lot of people made the comparison to like when AJ was doing his final run in TNA, like before he left, this was kind of what that vibe was like the all black, the whose side is he on? They kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, they kind of like, like when he, for people who don't know, what, around the time that AJ left TNA, his gimmick was similar to that of sting like against the nwo kind of because it was like the aces and eights were kind of like the nwos so but this was like kind of what we got out of styles like this kind of heelish like why is he doing the things that he's doing is he a good guy or a bad guy ultimately he wound up leaving the company and it was like kind of all confusing how it all ultimately kind of went down but then he but then he parlayed that into what he did in his new japan run which was like legendary and then that got him into you know where he is with WWE, of course that all said, I'm interested in this. AJ, <laughs> super jacked. Um, same with Randy Orton. Like, those guys, when they made their returns, I was like, they've been doing some work. Uh, doing some work or something. Those guys are those guys are killing it. Um, I'm, I was very impressed with the physique of AJ Styles. Um, I, uh, I'm also interested, like... So, like, Endeavor owns the whole thing now. And I'm just curious. I, I don't know. I'm just curious because, like, this is a, it's a total sidebar because that has to do with MMA. But, like, I uh, I probably don't want to go that, down that rabbit hole, actually. <laughs> so, the, Where were you going with this? Well, Fine. so, like, so I don't, I don't want to. Well, the reason, so, like, with Endeavor and, like, MMA, like, with, like, they don't use USADA anymore. Is kind of the rabbit hole I was about to go down, and I don't know if I want to. Like those guys were huge. Randy Orton and AJ Styles came back huge. Um, but regardless, I don't really care. It's, it's professional wrestling. Here's Ooh. the thing: look, I, yeah. I when you're off all of that time, AJ wasn't out with an injury or anything, right? Just working was, out the entire time, probably. Yeah, he was just sidelined yeah. and working out, and wasn't on the road, so it wasn't eating all the 
stuff you're going to eat on the road, stopping at McDonald's at 2 a.m. in the morning and things like that. So he had time to get himself in really good shape. Kind of the same thing with Orton. It's not surprised. This is how usually, usually on these returns, these guys come back looking in much better shape because you're working out. Sometimes you're rehabbing an injury and you're not on the road. So you're able to control your diet a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. That's very fair. And this is one of the things where like, just for the record, I don't care one way or another in professional wrestling, what people, it's all aesthetic to me, regardless. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be good in the ring and take care of your opponents and stuff like that. Like that's, what's actually important. But regardless, it was one of those things where I saw AJ and I was like, damn, this is the best AJ has like ever looked. And he's like, I don't even know how old he is at this point in his, his forties. Yeah, he's got to be like 45 or something. AJ Styles is 46. There you go. But regardless, dude, I, li- I love when some... And here's honestly an argument for this stuff, right? For regard- for any- anything that's new technology. Like like just even, even good supplements, you can get a GNC with a bunch of good vitamins in there for you. Like there is a strong argument to be made throughout all of sports of like some of these guys' careers would have like... A guy like AJ Styles, it was it was pretty unheard of years back for guys like AJ Styles, guys like Chris Jericho, a guy like Sting to be like be able to do the stuff they're doing at the current age that they're at. And a lot of it is like all the new technology we have, and like the, the in in some some sports they kind of try to like prevent you from using that, which I think is kind of kind of interesting because I think it's really cool that we can see a guy like AJ Styles at forty five years old in the best in the best shape of his life that's actually incredible it's actually really motivating for me to know that i at 45 i could potentially still be in really really damn good shape like that's you know i I love seeing that same with randy orton like with all the injuries and all the years that guys put on his body for him to come back looking like he's looking that's incredible to see so i'm very happy for both these guys and i'm a huge aj styles fan like so i just i want to see aj just have the best run he possibly can until he's done and i hope he's not done anytime soon you know, so him, him attacking LA Knight, I like, um, I like that, obviously, you know, I think that that's a, I think it's a good story you can tell there. They'll have a good match. AJ, AJ is over. LA Knight's over. It's going to all be good. I mean, and then AJ wanting to target the universal title. Like, that's great too, because whether it's universal title or the title over on Raw, AJ Styles should be, you know, challenging or wanting to challenge for the world championships. He's AJ Styles. Like he's still, people still kind of forget. And I'm, I'm so in and out with the WWE because I'm always, you know, I watch all the PLEs, but I'm not as tapped in like weekly to Raw and SmackDown and stuff anymore. But like, whenever I tune into the PLEs, when AJ is on there, I'm always like, nothing's really changed about AJ Styles. Like he's still the same dude. He's still, he's still legit phenomenal. One of the best guys out there. And he just kind of gets lost in the mix occasionally, but this this kind of like puts him in a really really good spot. It looks like with his return. So hopefully he comes back and he he wins this. I guess it doesn't look like it's going to be a feud with LA Knight first. Like like well, Rumble maybe or I don't want to give I don't want to give too many spoilers. Oh here. sorry. Um no it's fine it's fine because they've already taped SmackDown uh for this week so uh they're gonna. I guess it's not that big of a spoiler. Like, I'm just telling you what the match is going to be a couple weeks from now. So, all right. If you don't want to hear the spoiler for a match announcement, then, you know, plug your ears right now. If you 
we'll go with that. Uh, so they're going to set up a triple threat match for next week's SmackDown with um, AJ, Randy Orton, LA Knight, and the winner faces Roman at the Rumble. Okay. I like that. I mean, regardless, Roman's going to get to WrestleMania with the title, but they just got to do some stuff that makes some of the challengers interesting. And at least he's going to defend the title sometime soon. That's like a rarity. So that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's what they're setting up. So uh, I don't know who's going to win that. I think it will be Orton. I think Orton and Roman is going to be the rumble match. Uh, I don't know for certain, but that feels like the, I think you want to go ahead and get Orton and Roman done. Um, just in case. I agree. I agree. And honestly, eventually, and they can do this because hashtag the brand split isn't real. For those of you who don't know. Um, <clears throat> AJ really should be challenging for the title Seth has, I feel like. Like with, with some of the guys, like AJ versus Seth for that title would be sick. If if uh, AJ versus Punk for that title would be sick with their history. Like, AJ needs to be over on Raw. Like he needs to do like whatever he's gonna do with LA Knight and and maybe a couple other people. But I'd say like after WrestleMania, I'd move. I or maybe even <clears throat> well for WrestleMania, I'm assuming we're gonna get Punk versus Seth Rollins for the title. But I feel like just just for what it's worth, foreshadowing future future site here. I think that AJ will eventually be in the mix with like those guys on Raw for that title because he has a shot at actually winning that one. Like. Nobody but Cody really, ha- or The Rock. I think there's only two who have like a real shot at beating Roman right now, probably. LA Knight. Roman's going to retain at WrestleMania, by the way. Like, they're going to have him go past Hulk Hogan now, because now that people are starting to like buzz about that, like, it's not going to happen again, dude. This is so bad. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now talking about Cody, but like, that's, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting worried about it right now. Like, he's, I, uh, I don't know. He just got to beat Shinsuke. We'll we'll move on, but I don't know. I feel like he'll beat Shinsuke. I mean, they're <clears throat> they're setting him up to yes. beat Shinsuke. Like, and I, I do like think, this stuff. A lot of people. I still know, think Shinsuke should have won, and then Cody can still win the Rumble and whatever. But I think Shinsuke yeah. should have won, win the feud. Do you still think that CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble and challenges Rollins, and Cody wins Elimination Chamber? Is that still where we're where we're thinking with those guys? I, that's a possibility. Um, I was sold more on it after the Rollins and Punk promo from the other week. I still think the winner of the Rumble should challenge Roman, no matter who that is. But I was, at least there was a like, all right, you sold me on Punk winning and challenging Seth. I think, well, I mean, we kind of blend this into the my other WWE topic real quickly on AJ. I like that he attacked LA Knight <clears throat> because... LA Knight was the guy who basically took his spot when AJ got attacked by the bloodline. So he has reason to go after the bloodline because the bloodline was the guy, guys who took him out. Solo took him out of the, the match, the big backstage angle. And then LA Knight jumped in there and took his spot in the match with Cena, the tag team match with Cena. So he's like, well, I don't like this guy either. He's now kind of getting the opportunities that I was supposed to get. I was supposed to be the one to challenge Roman Reigns for the title. But LA Knight jumped in here and took my spot when I got injured. So I like that because he didn't go after Orton. Orton didn't do anything to him in that case. Um, so yeah, I did like that. Uh, um, and then 
Um, when it comes to when it comes to Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre, which is, which is my spotlight for the for the week, we'll we'll kind of blend stuff in together here. Mm. I like that Drew, or I think that Drew will win on day one. I think he'll win the title. Oh, from Seth. Okay. I think Seth could get it back at Rumble, but I think Drew is going to win the title. Wow. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Why do you feel so strongly about that? Uh, I just think that you can't make Drew a failure again. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just can't. Yeah, like, unless he's like leaving the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Because he, they keep talking about his story of like, hey, um, you know, he he was the pandemic champion, never won in front of fans, failed at Mania in front of half audience against Lashley, failed against Seth and Saudi failed against Roman in uh, the, the UK. Like he just continually being a failure. And I don't know if you can fail again against Seth on, on raw. I think you can win, do a short title reign. It can hold it. He can lose it at may or lose it at rumble, lose it at Australia elimination chamber. He can lose it then, but I don't think he can. I just, I just wouldn't have him fail again. A short title reign's fine. People have become so clouded on these long title reigns of like, no, every title reign has to be six months or more. It's like, no, you can do a a one month title reign if it makes sense. And I think for Drew, it would make sense because the story for Drew is just having that moment, winning it in front of fans. He doesn't need to hold it for five years. He just needs that moment in front of fans. <clears throat> that's true. Yeah, I, that's that's a really strong uh, that's a really strong case. I think. I mean, I'm a I'm a big McIntyre fan. I'd be I'd be fine with it. Um, so you you'd have. I mean, you, I mean, you're right though. Like, because the only other thing you can do if he loses again is like he he's already kind of at the point where like he's already gone crazy because of this. He, I mean, you can you know unless he's actually leaving the company. I guess that that's a possibility. Like if they just like keep having him lose on his way out, I guess. But I don't, yeah, I don't think that, uh, I mean, it might be, I don't know what the negotiations are, but it's apparently not up till mania anyway. So you can afford to just do a quick title reign with it. Yeah. Give them that moment. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the idea. Like, I, I do think that they need to make, like Drew can't keep losing like that. I agree a thousand percent about that. Like he's too valuable. <laughs> He's too good. And like, you don't want to lose him. And also, like you said, I've said it a thousand times and you, you just recapped it, but it really is a bummer for him. Like the whole, when he, like when he beat Brock Lesnar for that championship, WrestleMania, that should have been like 10 times bigger than like it wound up being. Cause there just wasn't anyone there. And it's a whole title run. Like he was out there busting his ass, having matches in front of no people for like over a year. I mean, and I can't even imagine the difference. You know, I if we had the opportunity to talk to any wrestlers going forward that wrestled during the um, that wrestled during the uh, Thunder Thunderdome, they call it Thunderdome, right? Yeah. Um, during that era, like there had to have been such a massive difference in like adrenaline, like not doing that in front of thousands tens of thousands of people 
versus doing that in front of screens without all that energy. Like, and it probably hurts so much more doing so. Like, I, I whenever someone would have like a ladder match or something in front of no fans, I would feel so bad for them because I'm like, you don't even have like the pops to like feed off of. Like, you're just hitting this stuff and it just kind of just hurt more. You just hear it, you just louder. And my point with all that is Drew McIntyre was out there having the the best matches he could in front of nobody and in and, and working super, super, super hard. Like I really appreciated what he was though the effort he was putting out as a champion. And by the time the fans were back, the title was over to Bobby Lashley and they just like moved on. And it's like so I I I can legitimately understand and sympathize to these the, the position that drew mcintyre is in right now because you take that and then you add in everything else you just mentioned about all the the title opportunities where he's lost he, he's challenged and not won the championship this is a you got me convinced jeremy drew mcintyre's got to win he's got it's it's at day one raw so like not this week but the next raw right that's when they're going to do that yeah, this week is a best of because it's right. all, it's literally on Christmas Day. So, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a best of. Uh, yeah, I I think he's I think he's gonna win. I think they're gonna do just a, a quick title reign. If not, I don't know where you go with Drew McIntyre unless you just he's just off television until hey, I'm off TV, and then uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll come back a, until a contract is signed essentially like I'm off TV until hey, we're just going to sign a contract. Cause like if he loses here, you can't give him any more title shots. He's losing right. all of these title matches. Both so, titles. What's like, up? He's sorry. Yeah, yeah. We're talking both world titles. Yeah. Now. Like, I mean, there's not even like another world championship for him to go after at this point. He can't even change shows. Yeah. So I, I don't think that you can get him, give him another title shot. He's lost to Gunther a bunch already uh is he gonna go with the, the u.s title like i don't know it feels like he just would be off television or just doesn't really have a direction until you know something happens um so yeah i think he's gonna win i think it's gonna be a quick reign but i think he's gonna I think he's gonna win on there um, where's uh where's sheamus does he maybe play a factor in this sheamus i don't i don't know like he's off television as well um and there, there might be a contract with him i I don't want to miss misspeak on that. Uh, what did um? We're trying to from, think of something. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I was just looking for anything on Seamus. Okay, here it, this was from September from Sean, September twentieth from Fightful Select. Uh, Seamus's contract is expired, set to expire in twenty twenty four. Don't think there was a uh believed to be the first quarter first half of 2024 so there you go but that's that part isn't confirmed so it's just at least sometime in 2024 for, for okay. Seamus's contract the reason i bring him up is i'm just trying to think of anything maybe a little outside the box for like how drew could maybe pull this off like as a heel i was thinking maybe like him and Seamus, like maybe Seamus helps him or maybe if he loses him and Seamus can team again i don't know what the status of um like, what's Pete Dunn doing right now? Is he still, like, are there still a thing with Sheamus not being on TV? Have they kept the Brawl and Brutes thing going? Or no, I haven't they, been they've been They've been teaming on SmackDown, but then the last time we kind of saw them, uh, um, Ridge Holland was upset with losing, and he just kind of walked out on Butch 
And then Rich Holland was on NXT injuring Ilya Dragunov this past week. I I have not seen that, but I just saw on Twitter or X rather that everybody would like seem really upset about however that went down. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Like what happened? It was just like a they made they made Dragunov's injury look like like it was a distasteful or something. They made it look very legit. Um, like the distaste part comes in the fact that you know, Ridge legitimately hurt Big E. Big e right. And so people are like, oh, why are you going to do this with him here to do this to Dragunov and make it a legit? And Ridge is like, you know, on camera asking, like, why is it always me type of thing? And oh. Elton Prince. Like, El- he, he kind of legit hurt Elton Prince as well. That mm. one, I mean, they're both accidents at the end of the day. He's not intentionally trying to hurt these guys. Um, But yeah, that that's where people are, uh, are, were turned off by the angle of like why is Ridge and Dragonov sold it really well. He did the corpsing and like the fingers, like you know, uh, like, like kind fencing. of looking like yeah, yeah, yeah. So he looked it looked good, uh, but people were you know not exactly thrilled that why are we doing this angle? Yeah, um, that seems like a terrible idea actually because I I I didn't realize that he had also hurt Elton Prince. There's <coughs> excuse me. There's a Sometimes it's good to blur the line, right? Of like reality and and storyline in wrestling, but that's not a that's not one I would do. I wouldn't. It's almost kind of along the line in some kind of weird way. It just reminds me of this, like for the Minnesota Vikings this year, Justin Jefferson. He's been out. He was out for like most of the season with a, I believe it was his hamstring. It was definitely his leg. I believe it was his hamstring, um, mainly. And what was ironic about that? was he does a celebration in the end zone all the time called the gritty you know he's made it very yeah. popular but he'll also do this this thing where he'll grab his leg like he's he fakes getting hurt it's like a tiktok meme or something and he would do he used to do that all the time we pretend to be hurt in the end zone to grab his leg so then when he actually got hurt it was like is he crying wolf or like is he actually hurt and it turned out he was actually hurt out for most of the season that kind of reminds me of that a little bit you know what i mean it's like this dude actually took out Big E. That, and listen, by the way, I, I don't want to, I want to back this up a little bit. I'm not, this isn't me trying to roast Rich Holland. Like I, I'm, I'm sure he feels absolutely terrible about, about what, what happened with Big E. There, it's not completely his fault. Any of this stuff. Like there are two people in the ring. Like there, like things can go wrong. Even the thing with like D'Lo Brown, like in, in draws, like that was such a, just a, freak accident and both guys involved will admit like we don't know what happened with that it was a pretty standard move and it just you know just things happen so i i want to make it really 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 clear that like i'm not i'm not like mad at rich holland when i say this i just want to say like if you have a history of that happening with you know the thing with biggie where biggie may never come back we still don't know and then elton prince i didn't realize that that was that he, that that was him who had injured him to make that a storyline where he he injures another wrestler just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. So. Yeah, it's it's not the best. My take on it was, is it necessary? And I don't think it is a necessary angle to do with your NXT champion who has already a, a good story going on with what they're doing with Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. I don't know why you need to do a big stretcher job injury angle with 
almost an adjacent player in Ridge Holland. Like he's he's not factored in to this angle. Um, you know, maybe they'll do something with it. They'll make it mean something. This is how Trick's gonna win the title, maybe in a couple of weeks at New Year's Evil. I don't know. I'll let it play out, but for right now, it just doesn't seem like a very necessary thing to do. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a bummer. Also, I'm just I just remembered uh I don't know why I just thought of this. We're talking about guys being jacked when they return. CM Punk was pretty jacked too when he returned. All these guys are gonna come back to WWE. It's like you guys are huge. You guys are huge. Anyway, sorry, I just want to throw that out there too. Got time. They got super, time to get in shape, man. Superstars, dude. Listen, it is, it is, it is what it is. They do it. They do have time. Even listen, Cody. Same thing with Cody. I'll be fair. Cody, huge. Like he's bigger than he's ever been. Killing it. These guys are well, world class. Cody's talked about this of because he he's when asked about MJF and possibly coming to WWE, <clears throat> Cody has said like you know at the end of the day it's still a body business. Like you still want to look good. On television. Yes, times have changed. Yes, like there's a lot more stock in wrestling than there used to be, you know, back in the 80s, early 90s and everything. But like it's a television business. You want to look good on television. And when he's talking about MJF, he's like, I think MJF knows that because he's going out there. He's working. Mm. He's working out, getting in shape and everything. Because when you're especially in WWE, when you realize just how much bigger these guys are than you think and and cody's mentioned like drew mcintyre drew mcintyre is a big dude and i i realized that when he was standing next to roman reigns you think roman reigns is a big dude and drew mcintyre like dwarfs him and it's just like boy yeah drew's a big dude when you're standing across from him like you gotta look your best when drew's an actual a literal example of doing the same thing when he left WWE the first time yeah and then when he came back he looked like two different human beings and he's and he's kept that up this whole time. I mean, Drew's still he's an animal. So I just want to throw that out there too. I'm not like singling any specific people out. There's just like a trend of like haven't seen this guy in a while. They're back in the WWE. Oh my god! Like Ginger Mahal. Remember when he like when he came back? It was like, what have you been doing, dude? <laughs> you know, well, that's, that's so, why you got the big push. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. He wound up getting the world championship. Exactly. Yeah. So there. Same with Drew. I mean, if, you know, uh, hopefully Cody. You know, let's go. So. Um, but yeah, these, these, these superstars, athletes, whatever you want to call them, are on just a different level, that WWE system. So good, good for them. I had a couple super chats. Appreciate y'all leaving some super chats, yes, by thank the you. way. Keep, you can keep uh, doing that. Uh, any question, comment, statement you, you leave in a super chat is read on the air. Uh, Andy says backing up with zero saying Cody's losing to Roman. I would not trust the guy who literally has zero news. Um, <laughs> that was a good one good <laughs> wilchism says i think it, the thunderdome was okay in theory but they had to deal with no fans and vince booking it so it must have made it hard for them. a lot of wrestlers have talked about the thunderdome and just how a lot of it hurt more because there had there wasn't an adrenaline during that time like it's very tough to get up when there's no crowd to kind of lift you in those moments and i so things just hurt a little bit more people have talked about it in in positive ways of like it helped bring them together aw is really talked about aw at least had the people around the ring to to kind of and it was an open air uh thing so they could start bringing fans in a little bit sooner than the wwe 
could. So AEW talks about how that was really like important for their growth. A lot of WWE fans with, or a lot of WWE wrestlers when it comes to Thunderdome, it was like, yeah, we just had to do television. Like, what are you going to yeah. do? Like we longest running episodic nonsense, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had to do it. So I, do, well, people, people might forget already. Cause it's, my my timeline is so screwed up over the last few years because of the pandemic like like 2020 through 2022 is all like one year to me in my in my mind so like i blur a lot of stuff so like but people kind of forget i feel like because we're already about to be in 2024 AEW was like brand new when this when the pandemic started so like a lot of it's 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 actually incredible that they survived that. Like being a brand new company, having to do live shows like that, in a in, in like and even just drawing people in to want to watch wrestling. I mean, granted, there wasn't a lot of options. So that kind of I'm sure that kind of did help them as well. Um, similar to kind of like the UFC, like they were like the only sport that was like, screw this, we're just gonna go to an island and just do it there. Like we're just not gonna stop. Um, so like it's one of those things where like. I, 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 it's, it's, AEW deserves more credit than they probably get for like how successful they were throughout that time. And like, even to be in the spot that they're in, because AEW gets a lot of, I, I think it's unfair. A lot of the, the criticism they get about being like the number two company to WWE and stuff. Like they're, they're so super successful at what they're like, where they're at right now in comparison to any other company that's like ever attempted this outside of like maybe WCW that like it really they're just kind of everyone needs to keep that kind of in perspective they've only been around for five years and the first few of them were in a pandemic with no fans while they're trying to build their brand they had to deal with that yeah yeah aw again they've talked about it before of just how it really helped them grow together maybe they became a family during that time and it could have easily just been like all right this company is dead during the pandemic like the ratings could have fell off a cliff. Uh, there, there's so much that could have gone wrong during that. And the, once they survived that, it's like, oh yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be fine. And now they might have to survive this merger between Warner Brothers and Paramount because I don't know what's gonna happen with that if uh, that ends up going through. I don't know. You not heard about this, Jensen? Is this, is this all the like raw or all the WWE going to WBD rumor stuff that you're talking about? I mean, there's some of that, but. There is like Warner Brothers and Paramount, you know, Paramount Plus yeah. and Warner Brothers Discovery uh, could there, there's talks of a potential merger between oh. those two companies. So I don't know what that's going to mean for AEW. Okay. I just watched uh, the new South Park special on Paramount Plus yesterday. Actually, I watched it twice. It was really, really funny. I got to watch that. I saw yeah. they made fun of Logan Paul. Yeah, they yeah, they they're it's. Instead of Prime, all the kids are drinking cred, like yeah. C-R-E-D, cred. Um, and they mix it in with like on influencers and so yeah, it's it's I I like I said, I've 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 actually watched it twice already. No, no, no cap. I've watched it twice, as the kids <laughs> would say. So yeah. Anyway. Um Paramount Plus. On. Every now and then you get something good on there. So I'm I'm subscribed. So Shaitan Spire saying zero saying Cody's losing to Roman again virtually makes it a lock. Cody's winning. Yeah. Yeah. There, hey, I like that. I like I like hearing that. What's up? What's up, Shy Towns? What's up, everyone in the chat? I'm seeing I've seen a lot of regulars in here today. We really appreciate y'all. 
Uh, Mr. Burt Wayne says, what's up, Jeremy? It's Rob from Gorilla Press. It was a pleasure meeting you and Sean at WrestleCade. I'll see you at the con. Hey, good meeting you, man. Um, trying to think. I don't know if I'll be at WrestleCon this year. I don't know if I'm going to Mania. I haven't fully figured that out yet. Most likely not, but I'll definitely be at WrestleCade next year. I always try to make the WrestleCade trip, but it was good seeing you, man. It's good. And he also left us a super chat saying, realistically, AEW had at most 1,500. Yeah, it wasn't like a lot during the pandemic, but they certainly like brought them in a little bit sooner, you know, than WWE could. WWE wasn't running shows until the Money in the Bank show, I think, was the first one. or the smackdown before money in the bank um but yeah w aw could at least bring people in and see them safely in various sections and you know uh just have a have an audience there at daily's place it wasn't a lot i don't even think it was 1500 like no i doubt it was even that much yeah, yeah. I, and I think, think it, about think about some of the people that were in the crowd for aw during that like where they're at now some aren't in the company but some are like the guns you know what i mean yeah. like it's pretty crazy pretty cool yeah, Ricky Starks was just a, a crowd member during that time. Um, and Will Chisholm says, I know it's wrestling thing, but I feel the same way how, how wrestlings do that. I mean, I hate it when Brian fake shaking. I don't like that uh, either. Yeah, yeah I don't like when Brian does the like convulsing type of thing. I, I don't uh, I don't like that as well. So, yeah, it, to me, it always comes down to, is it necessary? Does it add to the story? And like Brian kind of shaking. I get why I did it against Okada because he needed to let the referee know like my arm is fractured, my broken. Right. So like I need to get your attention to let you know this and like, okay, let me do this to maybe add to the match. Like in hindsight, I understood that one a little bit more. Uh, the tiger driver is the big, a uh, big topic with Osprey and Omega. Like I thought that added to the match personally. I understand if you feel differently and then with the this Ilya and ridge holland for right now i don't feel like it it's necessary and it adds into the story so you know we'll see if that yeah. changes yeah yeah um oh there was something i was gonna so i was gonna mention i just i, I lost because now i'm reading the chats also I, me and sp3 will talk about south park on overbooked at some point in the near future for for you guys it's good to see sp3 here in the chat this morning um oh what was i gonna oh was i gonna what i was gonna mention is uh for like the fake injuries didn't didn't aw like they've like banned that right didn't they like outright come out and say like we're not doing any more stories that involve like pretending to do seizures and stuff like that no more buckle bombs like it kind of like they kind of put the kibosh on that yeah it's got to get like a approved to to sort of do that that kind of thing um you know we'll see what they do moving forward with that but they they've had these guidelines that have that have been there and then of course you just got brian who's just gonna gonna do what he feels out there and no one's gonna really tell him differently true uh brian Mr. Wayne, all, man rob also says they were letting in a thousand fans and it went up to like 15 yeah they, they were they're letting in few and then it started going up going up going up so man anything else WWE that you want to hit um Trying to think if there was anyone else. There no other returns or anything that I could think of. Uh, oh, I guess Charlotte's injury. That sucks. That's I love Charlotte. But she got paid apparently, so good down. for her. Yeah, yeah. The queen. We can agree on that. We can we can both agree that Charlotte, Charlotte's incredible. Um, so but good for her. Like if she if she actually got paid like one of the biggest contracts I've ever given out, she deserves it. Like they 
they're smart to lock her down like forever and just keep giving her championships and let her keep being one of the top people in the company. She's I, no joke. She's, she's one of, if not the best all around women's wrestlers probably they've ever had. Like if you want to look at like the in-ring talent, the marketability, the championship runs, like always being in the mix. And I get obviously the booking, like she's getting a lot of help as far as like they constantly have her in positions to succeed. They have her as the champion or challenger for the title almost always, but that is the gimmick. Like she's like, that's what it is. She's the daughter of Ric Flair. She's trying to rack up championships. She's eventually going to surpass his number. And that's, that's the whole thing for her. But like, it works in my opinion, really, really well. I understand that there's people that, that are kind of over it and like, they want to see other people, but WWE is doing a good job of that, I still think, because you still have like EO Sky thriving. You have Bianca Belair thriving. You know, you still got Becky way up there. You have damage control and stuff. Like, there's there's still plenty of women doing really well in the call. Oh, 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 Rhea Ripley, of course. Um, so, like, just because Charlotte's always in a good spot doesn't mean that's that because Charlotte's been off TV a lot of this year <laughs> to allow but, them to. But you can't be tell me that spot. just her being there takes away from all of the, what I just said. Not all of them are suffering when she's around. Maybe right, a couple Becky, of them aren't in the same spot. Becky and Rhea were on Raw, so they're not on the same brand as Charlotte. So we can I toss them out. Like Bianca was doing well. All these women did well because Charlotte was missing a lot of time. I I like Queen. Charlotte, like even unironically. Like I think it, yeah it's kind of hilarious um more than anything that that she's always in the title picture i do think that like i get your point of oh that's the gimmick that's the gimmick but like the gimmick kind of gets old and kind of sucks uh which is always in the title picture and always going after the title and there's just nothing else for her to do it's like ah charlotte's back here comes this title reign like all right I love how much it triggers the fans though, because like she'll just walk right in and become the champion immediately. Like like she's gone right now. I guarantee y'all, the next time you see Charlotte, she'll be the champion. The next time you see her Probably. on television, she'll be the champion. Um, like that. That's what mainly I like about it is like people do get so upset about it, and I just I don't care enough to get upset about it. Right. Like, sure, put the titles on her, have her always be the champion. I don't care, and none of this affects me personally. So like whatever they want to do, I'm going to find the good and the humor in it. Uh, yeah. That's, that's where I, but like, I also think that it isn't great that she's always in the title picture and that no one else really gets over during this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I disagree. I think they have a, they have a, I think they have a really, really strong, I mean, I, I know you're not saying the opposite. Just, they have a super strong women's roster and I get that it all comes down to booking ultimately like who they're going to push and who they're going to use as champions and stuff. But like, I don't know. I would, I would, I would feel differently if I didn't just na- rattle off like that list I just did of all the women that are like doing awesome in the company still. And I get you're saying like when Charlotte's there, they're not doing as well when she's, but it's like, it's that's, that's like not using Roman Reigns when he's around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Charlotte's going. She's she's just got that position. It is what it is. Uh, Rob says her name is what works. I don't see her being top five all around. I don't think so either. And again, For women, I like Charlotte. you wouldn't yeah. put her in the top five women of all time in the WWE. Really, he said all around, not all time. Like all around. Like she's not. I she's not a better worker than like Becky, Rhea, Oscar. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um. 
I don't know. I'd still put her pretty high up there. <laughs> but but I but I but like listen, like if you want to get technical, especially I don't know if we're talking just WWE or like all, but I mean if you're talking like all time, every company like that, she wouldn't be in the top five. Yeah, I he's saying he's that. saying top five talent include Oscar, EO, Kyrie, to be transparent. Okay. Yeah, she's not. I understand. I understand. I, I could I could un- I understand that argument. I that's that I can get on board with. But if you want to look at like overall career like accomplishments and all that well, kind of stuff, because yeah. it'd be the same kind of thing as like John Cena. Like no one would put John Cena in a top five all around. But like if you want to look at best WWE superstar of all time, like it's probably John Cena. But that I I agree. And look, I'm a unabashed John Cena fan, but that's just how they're they're positioned by the company. Anybody could be in that position if they if they uh you know put them in that like if they book them that strong. Looks like SB3 is defending Charlotte a little <laughs> bit here. See, this is what Charlotte does. It gets people talking. It gets, it gets you know, and this isn't like toxic, by the way. This isn't like a toxic argument. This is legitimate, like legitimate conversation here about, in my opinion, one of the best female wrestlers they've they, one of the honestly she's one of the best overall wrestlers i think they have just like in the company when you look at her just once get the presentation and, and the, the position she's been in and everything but i get it i totally i totally get both both sides of this this argument but i guess that was the only other thing i wanted to bring up for WWE that i could think of was um it's a bummer that she's injured but it's it's great news for the company if they did lock her down with a new contract and it's awesome for her if she actually is getting paid like what it sounds like she's getting paid like that's that's that i mean what could you what more could you ask for we are not going to disparage the great match between rhea ripley and the the boat natalia here sp this show is sponsored by better help if you had an extra hour in your day what is the first thing that you would do read a book take a nap play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Three. Let's not say one great match of the year was with Charlotte Flair. Rhea also had a great match with the boat. Natalia, don't hate. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to? I, I, sure. Yeah. Which 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 Natalia match? The the one that you know 
lasted more than five minutes or the one that was like 30 seconds long. Take your pick. They were both <laughs> either. Either of those. Fantastic. There you go. Natalia People so... know I like Charlotte. The the thing with Charlotte is I love her moonsault that mm-hmm. never hits. It's the greatest move of all time. Absolutely love it. Which one though? The the standing one or the one like when oh, the one to the all... outside. Yeah. 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 Sometimes she does the twist also adds that yeah. adds that little bit of danger to it. I love that she goes for it though. <laughs> oh, that's that's what that's what pops me so much is like no matter what, like the moonsault, it never hit. It's like a clothesline. Like it's a moonsault clothesline to the outside. And that's she's true. just like, nah, you know what? I gotta do this shit. I was like, Yeah, yas, queen. Yeah. <laughs> yas. Yeah, let's go. Man, I, I love Charlotte. My 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 brother has seen her in Atlanta before. Um he saw her at like like a bar slash club in Atlanta like years ago with Andrade, but didn't <laughs> didn't put it together until afterwards. Cause like he was like he like saw Andrade thing on WWE. This was years back, and he was like, "Wait, I saw that guy at the Ivy in Atlanta," and I was like, "Oh yeah," and he was like, "Wait a second, wait, is he was?" It was like he like started putting it together. And that was Charlotte Flair. He wasn't like that excited about Andrade, but he was like, "I was right next to Charlotte Flair, and I had no idea." Um, but anyway, apparently she was really nice to everybody that was like around. So that was good to know. I think you're talking about uh, Romeo. Romeo is the. Yes, the Romeo is a very yeah. big Charlotte Mark. Yeah, Romeo, big fan of Charlotte, as he should be. Hashtag bow down, everybody. Yes. Best wishes to Charlotte. Hope she comes back. Uh, like, I don't know when she'll be back. Uh, I think Survivor Series next year at the earliest. That's my prediction. I think she's going to be out. Wow. Yeah. Wait, what, what, said, all, what all is injury? Her knee? Uh, reportedly, ACL, MCL, meniscus. Uh, WWE said nine months. Sometimes WWE likes to be like, yeah, nine months, and then they're back in six. Look, superhuman. But if it's all that, I would imagine it's going to be every bit of nine months. Well, listen, this is where the tie-in comes from kind of our conversation a little earlier about the physique of some of these wrestlers when they return to the WWE. This is a, this is a situation of like, when you're injured... I don't care what they give you to get better. I don't care what it is. And what you're what you're starting to see now in sports is really interesting because a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, snapped his Achilles oh, and like but like he's he's not going to play this season, but like he came pretty damn close. Like Did which he? is well, listen, the fact Did that he's he? even walk the fact that he's even running around on the field and throwing the football like trying to get back. Listen, my point is that used to be like a career ending injury. Like that used to happen, and like you didn't come back. <laughs> now it's like you're almost able to come back within a season. And the same kind of thing was happening with ACLs. Remember, like back in the day, if you tore your ACL, it was like yeah, a year was, or so, maybe yeah. career ending. Now we're talking like nine months or so. That's pretty incredible. And the reason that's possible is because of new technology and new medicine. That's that's how that's possible. So we also, you know, I. I we need to keep our minds open when it comes to this kind of stuff. People get really narrow-minded and they're like steroids, HGH supplements, well, hormones, whatever, testosterone, TRT. And they get like all weirded out and they're like, we shouldn't like this is unnatural. And it's like, yo, there are people who used to not be able to ever come back from this stuff that are coming back in nine months. Cody tearing his pec. Like he was back. Like, when John Cena came back from his pec tear, people were like, oh, it's going to be like a year. And he was back in like four months or whatever at the Royal Rumble. And it's like, Hardest these things, yeah, it was amazing. So we, you got it. You got to, 
we got to keep our minds open to this new technology and stuff too. Like, are y'all telling me as wrestling fans that like, if there's a way that Charlotte can come back in six to nine months uh, after tearing ACL and MCL and meniscus, that's possible that we should be avoiding new medicine like that. That's insane. In my opinion, you know what I mean? So um, that's, that's pretty damn amazing. If that was the injury and she might be back within a calendar year. Think about that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Remember when Triple H tore his quad? People were like, he might never wrestle again. You know what I mean? Like, now you tear your quad, and it's like, that sucks, but, like, we'll see you, like, before the end of the year. And Vince came back sooner than Triple H. And Vince did both of them yeah. with, with one with one slide into the ring. That's the most bizarre injury in the history <laughs> of anything ever. I can't think of, outside of maybe, like, there was the one dude in basketball, I remember years back, who, like, his, like, leg snapped out of his leg, like, doing a jump shot or something like every now and then you see like a really, really, really strange Paul one. George had a nasty, <clears throat> nasty injury for the Pacers. Like that was bone coming out of the leg. Yeah. He's still. He's still playing at a high level. It's amazing. Like some, some of the freak injury. I remember the, there was the one dude who did like the, uh, it was like the long jump in the Olympics. This was like forever ago, but he, he tore it or broke his femur. I believe we're jumping which is like almost impossible like to break your femur, especially doing that. And it sounded like a gunshot going off in the stadium. I mean, it was just like, you know, so things happen, you know, but just once again, my, my point with all of this is like, I think it's pretty incredible that we have the kind of technology and medicine available that you can, you can completely destroy your knee or you can completely snap your Achilles or something. You can be back with it a calendar year to do, to do professional wrestling or, or play in the NFL or something. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's, that would have been completely unthought of when our, like when our parents were, were coming up, like this, this is a completely unfathomable. Move on to the AEW spotlight. Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show. And I think it's been a run of great shows. Swerve Strickland and MJF had a confrontation backstage last night on AEW Dynamite. Swerve has been talking a lot in the media and even on television, mentioning the world championship. And finally, MJF kind of confronts him about it because they they found a, a ski mask that may or may not belong to one of the devil's men. Um, and MJF was like, I hear you talking about this title. You know, we got a lot of history going up and down the roads together. You win all these places and here I am. There's levels to this. And Swerve is like, you do tryouts. I sign contracts. That's the difference. He's like, when I want that title, I'll be there to take it. You know, just have it, have it nice and ready for me. And then Nana got in there and Swerve was, I did like MJF just doing the entire Swerve theme song yeah. when he walked sure, up to him. Sure. But we got the confrontation between MJF and Swerve Strickland. We're going to get this title match, Jensen. We got the confrontation between Hangman and MJF a couple weeks ago. And then Hangman was taken out by the Devil's Men. Is now Swerve going to be taken out by the Devil's Men because of this? Like, what are you thinking after seeing these two interact last night? That's a really good question. So before I answer, for everyone who uh, who might be thinking we're going to go short on our other topics because we went so long in WWE, we're going to go long today because I don't have to work. So um, just so you know, we're going to. We're not going to just like run through this as fast as we can for the next 30 minutes. Like we might normally have to. So stick around and listen to our, our thoughts on this stuff. Um, I would say, 
Yeah, probably. They're probably going to have to attack Swerve. But my, my thing is, they're going to have to put the world title on Swerve eventually, too. Like, What's getting really interesting is, with MJF being the champion, he has this list of challengers now that like a lot of them have, make like real sense to maybe be the one to, to dethrone him. And I really liked the, the back and forth between Swerve and MJF last night. I thought it was funny how he was doing the theme song and stuff like you were saying. You told him like, but he said something like taking his grill out when he talked to him or something like it was just MJF is really good at like getting under people's skin. Like he's still, he's still acting and talking just like he really would as a heel, but people just like him now. And and he's doing it to heels that people, but at the same time, Swerve is like an effect of baby face because people like he's gotten so over that like people like him. So that's been interesting too. So I don't know how, I don't know the best direction of going with all of this, but I, I actually really like that. I don't know exactly. There's a lot of options. Um, I don't think that Swerve and Mogul uh, Embassy is behind the attacks. Like, I don't think that they had anything to do with the devil. And I think if anything that was, it was planted similar to the, the red herrings with like the real glass being broken and some of the other stuff that we've seen, um, the hangman stuff that you know with the with the bottle before we found it before they attacked him and stuff like that it was just another way of like like them trying to frame somebody like they left the mask there so that people would think that that they were involved so i could see the only different but it, it's interesting because like the devil and the the mass men and stuff like they they'll attack baby faces or heels so like you really it would make sense for them to go after Swerve. I, I think probably next week they'll probably they'll probably attack him and or, or they'll get to like Brian Cage or, or those guys like Prince Nana will get taken out or something like they'll. I, th- I think you're right about that. And then I think the, the, the oh sorry go ahead. Them, them going after Mogul Embassy members on like Saturday makes some sense. Swerve is in the finals of the the Continental Classic, the League Finals right. next week. The Triple Threat with Moxley. And Jay White, you know, Jeff Fowler Driver mentions Swerve going to get ganked, and that's how he loses the triple threat. I don't like that. I, I don't know. We don't need any interference. There's, that's the point of the Continental Classic, no interference stuff. Like, So I don't need Swerve attacked before the match to take him out. I don't need him attacked during the match or anything like that because that's that's the point of the Continental Classic. So you don't have that kind of stuff. That, that was explicitly stated in the rules. You want to do it after the match? Fine. I get that if Swerve loses, which I do think he will. I'm not saying he's the one who gets pinned, but I do think I don't think he's going to win the Continental Classic. Um, if you want to do it after the match, do the attack. Uh, okay, then it's over. Then you've uh, then you have the winner. But I don't want him. I don't want any devil nonsense to interfere with the Continental Classic stuff. I don't want it. Yeah, I'm with you 100 on that. Especially like you said that the like one of the main points of the tournament is to prevent stuff like that from happening. It's supposed to be about like pure like wrestling competition in a tournament. And by the way, you were totally right. Uh, you called the triple threat scenario. So good, uh, good call on that. Like you saw that co- kind of coming before anyone else did. I think with how like the tiebreaker wouldn't like no one would have the tiebreaker and like how it could be a triple threat. So good on you for that, Jeremy, you totally called that. Cole Roger. Look at Cole. Wait, wait, wait a second. Hold on. Are you, are you gonna gas Thanks, up Jeremy Cole. over here, Cole? I offered you a I offered you a kiss in the DMs, Cole. And 
Whatever. Um, good to see you. Good to see you, man. Happy holidays, Ratty Daddy. Steven is all right. Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll take all right. Once I saw, once I saw the that scenario, I couldn't unsee it. The the triple threat scenario. I'm. I don't fully like it. I'm gonna be honest. I don't fully like that it's a triple threat match for next week. Um, but I I get why they're doing it again. Once I saw that scenario last week, I, I figured that's where they would end up going with it. There's a lot of convoluted stuff in the, the collision league where like I think Brody King can still be in it, but he doesn't have like a tiebreaker over Danielson or Andrade, but he would have it over Kingston and Claudio. There could be a lot of convoluted scenarios with the uh I call it the collision league. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where that's going to end up being. It feels like it's going to be Eddie Kingston. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to get there. I think maybe Kingston and Danielson can be a finals match. I'd have to relook at the the scenarios uh, to, to fully confirm too. how you get there. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be Kingston. I don't want two triple threat matches. I, I truly think that doesn't defeat the purpose of the tournament, but it lessens the actual like round robin play. If you just do two, then half the half the people in it make it to the finals. Like that's kind of lame. If half the people in the league make it to the league finals, like what are we doing here? You're totally right about that. Like that's like on one, on one hand, them doing it with one of the leagues kind of sets an interesting precedent because it's the first time they've done this tournament. So it's like, wow, we didn't even think about this could, that this could happen this way. That's kind of cool. Like anything can happen. And like, they're doing it like a real sport, like, okay, the tiebreaker didn't work out for anybody. And like, that's really the only solution would be a triple threat. But if, if it became the norm that like half the tournament just made it to the five, the semis, like that would be, that would be lame. You're right about that. So I think that they're doing it kind of for like surprise value in the one league this time they probably won't do it next year with a triple threat i don't think i mean maybe but i will say this i've really liked the tournament i think that it's been like a refreshing kind of reset for AEW in a lot of ways and uh i i i'm trying to pull up the i don't know i'm trying, I'm looking on AEW's twitter to try to find the like if they had an updated bracket on it but i think that kingston and danielson like that that would make a lot of sense um, and that'd be a really great match. Yeah, SP3 lays it out. I did the scenario post last Saturday um, when Collision ended, laying out the scenarios, but SP3 has it of Garcia beats Brody, Brian beats Claudio, Eddie beats Andrade, and that's how um, you get to the the finals being, the league finals being Brian and Eddie, because Garcia doesn't have, this would be his first win, Brody is already behind in, in points. Brian and Eddie would be tied in points. Brian has the tiebreaker, but it, you take the top two anyway. So that's how you get there. And and Eddie, I think Eddie and Andrade would be tied in points, but then Eddie would have the um Eddie would have the tiebreaker over Claudio and Andrade because he has head-to-head victories against both of them. So who are we thinking? Let us know in the chat too. Whether it's a super chat, if it's a super chat, we'll put it on the screen. But if if not, like just I'm just interested to see what people have to say. Like, what are we thinking now? So regardless of like we're, we Danielson in the finals, regardless of who he wrestles, like let's say it is Danielson and Kingston though. It does. I think that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, and then we have the triple threat over another league. Or who, who, who are we thinking for the finals here? And like, who actually wins this? Because there's a lot of ways I can still go with this. I think I think it's going to be Jay and Eddie in the finals. And this is really? how... Um, because because you're you're factoring the ROH titles, the New Japan Strong titles, and now this new AEW finals. One, this could be a way to get Jay White back in New Japan because he'd be the New Japan Strong champion. And so you now you get him back into New Japan because he has this title. Um, and then, you know, if Eddie has it, Eddie is always going to be, he can always do ROH stuff. He can always do New Japan Strong stuff. And you can just do different stuff with him with, with all of these titles. So I think that I think it's going to be them swerve. I feel is almost because they're doing the devil stuff with him. And because you got Keith Lee saying he's targeting him. It feels like swerve just has other stuff to do now, whether it's the world title, whether it's the devil, whether it's Keith Lee, like I don't think they should have done this storyline stuff with him until after the continental classic wrapped up like maybe i'm i'm just being uh i, I don't know i don't think cynic's the right word but maybe I'm, I'm just reading too much into things of like they're just doing other stuff with him while this tournament is going on so it feels like he's not going to win this tournament because he, he's setting up other stuff after this tournament right yeah yeah you're right and because I was thinking it was going to be Swerve and Moxley rematching in the in the semis or the league finals or the, whatever you want to call them. So, but like that's not what we're going to get. We're going because I I was feeling if they were going to do that, that Swerve was going to get his win back over Moxley because he kind of like it was it, the finish of the Moxley and Swerve thing where like he kicked out and like his shoulder wasn't down and all that. Like I uh, I felt like he was going to get that back, but at the same time, you're right about how they have. Like he's already involved in other stuff that's arguably even more important than becoming whatever this this continental champion is really gonna be. And and whoever wins this this championship is gonna have to be available for all these all these other events too, for these other companies. So Swerve probably isn't the best person to win the tournament, but he he had a great he's had a great showing in the tournament, obviously. And I'd agree with everybody else as far as like he didn't really need to be in the tournament to begin with, considering he was coming off of the win over Hangman. It really should have been Takeshita. Like we talked about that before. It makes no sense that Takeshita wasn't in this tournament, but um, like you could have had him on this run coming off of like the two Omega wins and then have you know Takeshita go into the the finals or whatever or the semis. And he's a guy who like would actually make sense to hold you know a title like this and like travel the companies and become a bigger star and stuff um, worldwide. But I guess, I guess at the end of the day, we're all, we're at where we're at. And I would say I really had my, my, my mind set on Danielson being in the finals. I'm surprised you don't, but I also understand Kingston. Like there is a strong reasoning for that. I can see Danielson being in the final. Maybe it's Danielson and Jay White and Danielson. Jay, I guess Jay White wins it. My problem with Danielson like winning is he's facing Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Is he going to beat Okada again? Or are you just, hey, Brian Danielson just won this big tournament. He has all these titles. He loses to Okada. 
I, like I don't feel that right. does a whole lot for the Continental Classic. Like it just feels like Danielson. I don't know if I'd have Danielson lose anything, but he he's lost at, at this point in the tournament. Um, I I can stomach him losing in the finals again or to like Eddie Kingston or in the finals to Jay White a little bit more than and then facing Okada and maybe losing to Okada because I assume Okada is going to pick up the victory there than him being the champion and losing because if you go into that match the champion losing your first match as the champion when it's a non-title thing it kind of it looks a little lame to me I I completely agree with that. And I, I hadn't been considering the Okada match factoring in to this tournament at all. But that actually, that's a really good point there too. Because my thing with Danielson winning was like, it'd be cool to see him, you know, in Ring of Honor defend that title uh, you know, a couple times or, you know, in, in New Japan. It's kind of like a cool thing for him as he wraps up his in-ring career, his full-time in-ring career. I like that he's clarified, by the way. He's like, oh, I'm never retiring. Like, I'm just not going to do it full-time anymore. He's like, I plan on being, like, 70 and still doing this whenever I feel like doing this, which <clears throat> I love knowing. So we don't, have to, we don't have to have this feeling of, like, Danielson has to get in everything right now before he leaves. Like, he'll still be around to some degree, which is really, really good to know. Um Kingston, I mean, that'd be pretty wild for him to, to win this tournament, like go in the champion, come out the champion. Um, that'd be really cool for him, though. I'm, I'm definitely not against the idea of that. Um, Jay White makes a lot of sense, too, though, for all the reasons you mentioned and his ties and his tie in with, with New Japan. It's so funny that he's even in that position with New Japan because, <laughs> I mean, everyone was so sure he was he was going to WWE that like they... There was no need for him having that loser leaves New Japan match. Like it was completely unnecessary because had had that never happened and he wound up signing with AEW, there would still be the working relationship. And like you wouldn't have to do any of this to get him back in if this was the loophole back in. Um, but uh, and then Moxley, I just don't see them needing that. Although they did try to do that. I mean, who knows what his run with the the international championship was supposed to look like? But obviously that got shortened because of the injury um like him losing to phoenix on accident when not when that happened and stuff so like i uh maybe they want to kind of run that back and redo kind of what they wanted to do but they if they want to do that they could have just given moxley the international championship though like he could have beat and that's also why i get i don't like all these championships because the international championship is the, the continental championship and the tnt championship and, the, and all that it's just like all these seem pretty similar to me in a lot of ways but it's a uh, I the the one caveat of of course the one thing of difference is that the the continental championship is supposed to be defended in these other companies too which I, I like the idea of that I just thought I thought that's what the international championship was going to be already like I thought that was going to be defended on way more like indie shows and stuff like that or something but I don't know maybe we'll get that for the continental um, my prediction though I'm gonna say. Oh, you kind of got me convinced on on Eddie winning now. I was really set on Danielson in the finals, but Kingston could win this whole thing. Man, so you, you think Jay White wins it all? Like, is that like your actual prediction? I think Jay White beats Kingston in the finals. Again, this gets Jay White back in New Japan. And if you remember, the reason Jay White can't go to New Japan is because he lost the loser leaves New Japan match to Eddie Kingston. So him beating Eddie Kingston in the finals is kind of a little poetry there. Yeah, that actually, you got me sold on that. I forgot that he, that 
I just mentioned the match, the Lujo Japan match, but I forgot that it was Kingston who defeated him. Man, and Tony Khan, like he'd be all about that type of storytelling. I uh I think that's probably it. Or Eddie over Mox, that would be another good one. That'd be good too. There's a lot of good options here, but I think I think the scenario you just laid out is actually pretty perfect. Especially especially if Jay White wins the whole thing. Cause that also kind of like is his bounce back from the I don't know what you want to call it was Him pretty disastrous. One legged yeah. man in an ass kicking contest. Yes, it was pretty disastrous for the for the perception, in my opinion, that that happened to him. Like they'd done a really good job of building him and him being, you know, up to that point as a challenger. But the way that MJF defeated him, just I understood the 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 backlash kind of to that. As far as like you just you just I don't want to say you buried Jay White, but that was a that wasn't a good look for, for Jay White. If you wanted to keep him as like a main event level guy in your company. Um, but to have him win this tournament is a, is a really good bounce back for that. And also he can be involved once again, in these other companies. So um, he'd be really important to ring of honor too. If they like, if he actually showed up on that show regularly, that'd be a, a big help for that brand. I think too, to have him on there. Um, but we'll see. I think that's a good, I think I, I came, I, I came into this conversation thinking it would be like, Danielson versus honestly, like maybe even like Danielson versus Swerve just because of the role that Swerve's on. But like Swerve's got the other stuff going on, they kind of bigger and better things. Moxley is a made man, regardless. Like you can plug and play him literally anywhere in any feud, any scenario, any championship, and he's good to go. So Jay White really makes the most sense of those three with the tie into these other companies, and then. And then Kingston, man. I'm going to go Kingston and Jay White. I'm going to say Jay White wins the whole thing now, too. Damn it. Damn it. I went from him not even being in the finals last week. Like, I thought he was going to lose. Or I thought he was going to lose this week. And it was going to be Swerve and uh, Swerve and Mox again. And now I'm now I'm thinking he's going to win the whole damn thing. Which is good on them if that was designed that way. Like, they got me. So. Uh, Shadowtown Square says the best part about the devil storyline is when the devil isn't on screen. The backstage interactions are very interesting. The moment the henchmen show up, they lose me. I I'm in agreement on that. I thought the stuff last night where they surrounded the ring and then now there's like more of them and everything. And then the devil puts his words on the screen. It's like, Hey, you want to do another challenge? Like, didn't we just do this two weeks ago where you issued this challenge and then you took out MJF beforehand so you didn't have the challenge, but now we're going to do it again two weeks later. Like uh, Samoa Joe and MJF are wrestling at the pay-per-view, by the way. Yeah. I don't do got you think Samoa Joe's going to win? You think I Samoa hope Joe's Samoa gonna Joe win? wins. Yeah. I hope Samoa Joe wins. I, I don't think he is, by the way. I think MJF wins and then the devil reveal. I still I still think it's Adam Cole. MJF could be the other possibility if he reveals himself and he's just like, ah, oh, it was me all along. And then, um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's it. Like, I, I don't know. Um, that's, that's where, yeah. that's where I'm at on it. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Like, and we can, we've already talked a, a lot about like who the devil could be. And I, I, the more that, I, that we talk about, it, the more I think there's multiple devils. So like, it's good. It's almost like, it's almost not even worth like trying to, think about too much at this point because there's just so many ways they can go with it and so many ways they can just explain things that wouldn't make any sense like 
Because if it's because if it is MJF, everyone's gonna be like, "How's that possible?" Like the devil was on the screen multiple times whenever MJF was in the ring, and like, how could they both? How could it be at two places at once? And they could just go, "It was pre-recorded," or there was another guy in a devil mask doing that while MJF was in the. There's multiple people in this mask. Um, you know, I brought up the idea. I think I may. I can't remember if it was on this show or another one that I was on, but I. Uh, I brought up the idea and I don't think that they'll do this, but I was like, they could even have it where like the pillars are the devil. It wouldn't make sense with Darby because of like the story with him and Sting for Sting's retirement, but they could theoretically like all four of the pillars could be under the devil mask. And like, they could have a story based on them being a group. Cause you'd have reason for MJF to be the devil. Cause he always, always was the devil. Um, all the broken glass with, uh, with jungle boy, you have that built in. Sam Guevara has been off television. You can, yeah, like he's been involved and then Darby can kind of like turn on Sting and like that's could lead to the, the two of them having their match for Sting's final match or something like that. Just throwing like an idea out there probably won't happen, but this just to put it out there, I just think that it's very possible. It's more than one person under the devil match this whole time. So, um, and also we don't know who all is a part of this group because there was like 20 people who came out to the ring last night and, and yeah, so that part yeah. last night of like, all right, now are you just like hiring people to just do whatever and it's not going to be the original people or you do have your core, however, three or four people and then everybody else is just throwaways who can get beat up like they Plenty last patrol. Night, straight up. That yeah. was Power Rangers. That was yeah. that's what we're talking. I'm telling you, Will Washington, Kenny Omega booking right there. I love that. I actually love the power. That, that was that was they, they took out the putty patrol straight up. I know that Kenny Omega, best wishes to Kenny Omega, by of the course. way. Um, he kind of buried the own serious, what was supposed to be a serious angle with that tweet. Like I, yeah. I like, I agreed with Kenny. Your EVP and other top stars should probably not be burying and being like, yeah, this whole thing seems like a big old joke. Haha, tune in. To, to watch this, like, uh, probably not the best tweet to make. Don't know if Danielson find him for that one, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe. By the way, where were the acclaimed last night? They showed up on Collision, and they're like, we're going to be on a search and destroy mission for the devil. It's like, the devil's only shown up on Wednesdays for the past month or so. Did you not yeah. think he was going to show up last night, and you're not there for your search and destroy mission? Like, Huh? Yeah. The claim should have been there last night. It's funny because my buddy Mike that I watch the shows with, he he said he literally brought it up last night. He's like, Where's the acclaimed been? He actually said, like, who are the trios champions? Like he forgot who the trios champions were. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's the acclaimed still. And he's like, Where the hell have they been? And I was like, remember they got attacked by the devil. And he's like, That was so long ago though. They were like one of the first people that got attacked, I feel like. And I was like, Yeah, it's been and then yeah, for you to say that, it's like um, but then they announced during the show that they were going to come back on Collision, which is confusing because that's well, they were for... they were back on this past episode of Collision. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, but we haven't seen them on Dynamite in a long time. So and they, yeah, they were back on uh, this past episode of Collision, and they said like we're here to take out who you know whoever attacked us. We're here. They said like search and destroy, seek and destroy Metallica. Like we're on this mission to find who attacked us. And they got confronted by Top Flight and Action and Dreddy. So they're gonna defend the titles. But like, hey, if you're on this search and destroy mission, 
probably want to show up to the show where the devil has been for the past two months now. Like he's shown yeah. up on Collision once. I think he did one video package on Collision. Otherwise, he's always been on Wednesday. Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. And also, I you know Wardlow did that video. There was a video that ran last night of Wardlow like saying that just straight up calling MJF the devil and then he's gonna attack the devil. I think it's pretty clear he's one of the guys in one of these masks, right? Like it's got to be Wardlow's got to be one of these guys. Yeah, maybe I. Yeah, he keeps saying he's gonna take out the devil and everything. I know people have speculated Wardlow because he had the messed up hair that one time, and there was that one big dude who was like, "Oh, this looks like it might be <clears throat> Wardlow." It could be. It. I guess it depends on who the devil is. Of course, I don't think Wardlow's the devil. No, is he's one of the guys in the masks? Like, I'm sorry, like one of like the like henchmen or whatever. Yeah, is Wardlow just gonna be a, a sidekick? again like Probably. that's where i'm a little it's not going it's so good for him outside of that though you know he's like really that's just kind of like <laughs> it hasn't really like they've tried many times to make wardlow a thing right and like i i don't necessarily dislike wardlow i just like he's never gonna be hotter than he was when he beat mjf i mean they, they could maybe get him there at some point but i feel like that was really fumbled like he was he was white hot and then like now yeah, it's MJF like MJF got, yeah, got MJF stretched out, and then the next time we saw him, he's like, "Yeah, that shit didn't happen." Tony Khan, fuck you, you mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's that's. Li- <laughs> yeah, that never happened. That's right. Oh my yeah, god, just walked funny. out on television after being stretched out of the arena, and was like, yeah. "Tony Khan, I quit." I'm like, all right, I guess that stretcher yeah. job never really took place. Never happened, you fucking mark. Um, I, but I feel like, I feel like Wardlow is probably best served as like kind of a, a, he worked well as like the muscle guy, like the, the, uh, the, I say the muscle, the muscle man, the, uh, the muscle, the, like the security for MJF his bodyguard. That's what I'm trying to say. I forgot the word bodyguard for a second. He works good. He works good as a bodyguard or is like, even in like the pinnacle, like, like his role there could have, you know, and the group worked out better. Like that was you know, it's a good role for him, I think. And, that, and you can still have matches. You can still win championships. Like, I just don't think that he's necessarily with the raw. Listen, if we were talking original AEW roster, then this is a different conversation. At this point, Wardlow is probably already a world champion, but with the current roster they have, I just, it's tough to be Wardlow. I think as a singles wrestler by yourself, with the roster that they have and the talent that they have. It's just, you know, you can only do the powerbomb symphony so many times where people are like, okay, I've seen this, I've done this, but like, you're you're doing this. Okay, cool. But like the rest of the show is what we're seeing in the continental classic and stuff like that. Like it's, it's it's like watching two totally different things. Uh, Rob says it would be fruitless to put a mask on a man that has recently openly said he's coming for MJF. I don't disagree with that of like, why does he need to hide behind a mask? He has said, I'm coming after this guy i'm coming after the devil who he believes is mjf like but that's the the swerve of it all exactly. right is that right. oh he's actually in cahoots with the devil and possibly in cahoots with mjf so exactly that's my whole but, line of thinking on that yeah exactly. but i i do get the point of like you don't really need to put a mask 
on that person. Uh, but sure. uh, shut down Spurs. It wasn't super chat, but uh, I want to bring it up. Uh, you think the two henchmen could be FTR and we're getting the pinnacle with Adam Cole. I don't know. I don't, because then you're taking Roderick away and, and the kingdom away from, from Cole. And I feel like they are going to get elevated out of this is my whole thing. And if they're just, like, if they're not attached to Cole, they're just going to get beat by this new pinnacle and by this new pinnacle group with Adam Cole. So I don't, I don't know. I think, I think Roderick might be proven right. And that it might be MJF or that, he is again doing the red herring of like, yeah, it's MJF, it's MJF when it's really him and Adam Cole and everybody the the entire time. So, yeah, I've definitely considered it being the rest of the pinnacle. Um, I've considered, but there's so many ways you can go with this because like it would make sense for it to be yeah, FTR and Wardlow. Uh, I, I think that Britt Baker makes a ton of sense whether she's one of the people in the Devil Mask or she's one of the henchmen or whatever. Like I think that she would make sense in a group like this, especially if I, because she could either turn on Adam Cole and align with MJF as the devil, or just continue to be aligned with Adam Cole. And it would make sense with their, with them being together for real. Like it would make sense that they were in a group together, but there's also other possibilities. Like, um, I mean, for all we know, Bobby fish is back. Like you can have, I would love that. Bobby fish is the man. Um, I think that Bobby fish, like, like if he came back and for all we know, and I, I don't want to like, I have no idea, but and I don't want to, I don't want to downplay how serious the injuries and stuff are, but like Kyle O'Reilly, he's been posting a lot on, on social media about like his rehab and like, maybe he's actually closer to a return than like what he's showing. Like maybe like I, 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 I have no idea. I I'm hoping I'm so optimistic about Kyle coming back that like, I'm really hoping but like when I watch his videos, it looks like he's still like trying to get strength back and like he's doing like really minimal work. But for all I know, these are videos from like before when he was rehabbing. I, I have no idea how recent this stuff is that he's that he's showing people. Um, so I'm thinking also in the back of my mind, like maybe Undisputed Era is the group and this is how they're reintroducing them. Another scenario that I think is really interesting that I would really like is if Adam Cole is the devil which I still think makes the most sense of all these scenarios. I, feel, I still think Adam Cole is probably the devil. Um, if the young bucks are in, are in the, are with him or two of the guys, because they're, they already, the three of them have the history together. They attack hangman. Like, I mean, there was the, the kind of looked like they were splitting. You need to turn the young bucks heel. Like they were getting, they were getting lost. And they just, Kenny's <laughs> gone. Like, you know, that gives them like I this would I think I think this would be a good way of turning the young bucks heel and you know, aligning them with Adam again if they wanted to do that. So, I mean, the last time we saw the young bucks and Adam Cole interact, Adam Cole was kicking the shit out of them. True, but I mean, it's pro wrestling, dude. I mean, it, for all we know, Wardlow and MJF are in cahoots right now. We saw the same thing happen between the two of them. It's just the fact that like now Kenny's gone. It's like, well, Kenny's gone. Like Adam's still here. You know, like Hangman, like. He, they can even say they can they can play it up like we made the wrong friendship choice here. Like like look at what happened. Like Kenny Kenny turned out to be he went off and became friends with Jericho and abandoned us. Us and Hangman had the falling out. Like screw that guy. Screw Hangman Page. Like like we we put all this on the line for him to 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 reunite the elite and look look where it got us. Now now we can't even get on the show and all this stuff and we can't even we can't we're EVPs in this company and we can't even we're not even featured anymore. Like what's happening here in our own company. And like, that's, 
You know, we've turned back to Adam Cole, who's always been our friend. You know, like I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there, like you can make logical sense of the Young Bucks and Adam Cole being involved together in this. Um, no one's, no, none of the henchmen have thrown a super kick, so I don't know. True, but that's uh, like, well, I, I mean, I've been paying attention to some of the stuff though. Like uh, the other week when they put Hangman through the windshield, they did like it was like a double choke slam. Two people who were like a little bit larger. One of them could have definitely been Wardlow. Um. I don't know, but I mean, def- I mean, if someone threw a super kick, they immediately there would be a giveaway, you know, so they wouldn't do that. Probably. Uh, uh, Rob says, lest we not forget MJF joined the inner circle, dribble wedge between Jericho and Guevara, whose relationship never fully recovered. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All and right. let's also not forget with Jack Perry, like MJF straight up has told him multiple times, like me and you are not so different and this and that, like, I still think it very well could be either Jack Perry as the devil, or he's one of the people it'd be, it makes even more sense. And I think people would like it even better if he wasn't the devil, but he was one of the guys in the group, like, cause you can still make sense of all the glass. It's like, it's like Jack Perry's the psycho of the group who likes putting people through glass. He's not necessarily the leader, but like, he's, you know, that's his role in the group. Like, you know, um, so I, there's, there's so many ways they can go with this. So it's all, it's all reckless speculation. But the cool thing about this story, I don't think it's been done necessarily the best way. Like there's a lot of stuff that's kind of missed with me for it. And and it hasn't been perfect, but what it is doing is it's making me think, and I legitimately don't know where they're going with it. I don't know who's going to be in this group. And I don't know what the end game is of the group. Like, like once it's revealed, like then what? But I like that. I like that. I don't know as a wrestling fan, it's, it's interesting. And I, and I don't want to know, I don't want spoilers. I want somebody to tell me who it is. Like I want to watch and, and let this play out and see, see what happens. Well, I think the end game is going to be determined on who the actual devil is. And then, yeah, you got to have a follow-up after that. Cause if it's just, it's Jack Perry and then he goes on to do nothing, then they're, they're okay. What'd you do this entire time? I, I like whodunits. It's fun. It's fun to speculate. I don't think this has been the most cohesive whodunit through the, the through the start, but they can tie it all around once they reveal who it actually is. And you know, I assume we'll get that at World's End. Hopefully, hopefully they don't stretch this out any longer because that is the problem with a lot of whodunits is they go on too long, and this felt like it's gone on a little too long. I feel like it's got to end at World's End too. I mean, it's like perfect with that being the name of the show, and even like when when Copeland debuted, they were talking about um, like, like what, what were they marketing it as? It was like the big, all, they weren't calling it a reset, but it was like, um, there was like a term that they were using throughout the, throughout the build to, to the pay-per-view before Copeland returned. And it was like, oh, I can't remember. There was, the was a new era, a new era. That's what it was. Yeah. And then of course I want to be in the, the rated R superstar. Right. So, um, World's End kind of feels like the end of the world for AEW. Like the devil was revealed and like a new world begins after this pay-per-view. Um, so we'll uh we'll see. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of ways I can go with this. I'm uh, I'm definitely interested and uh yeah, we'll, I don't know if there's any more I can really add to that. If, if there's more I can think of, we'll we'll talk about it. But yeah, I think it's gotta end it uh, at world's end as well move on to the others oh by the way i'm sorry sorry go ahead sorry this is a good point too well if the the bucks wind up being i'm gonna put this yeah the uh 
the, the we have a tag title match coming up for MJF and uh, Samoa Joe, and that that's actually a fairly good prediction. Possibly, maybe the Young Bucks are the tag team. So anyway, we'll move on. I want to throw that out there too. All right, our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Athena remains your ROH Women's Forever Champion. She yeah. defeated Billy Starks in the main event of ROH Final Battle. Billy got Athena's respect, which is what she wanted, and. It, now Athena just has got to find new challengers for her. Uh, I think Billy is eventually the one to take the belt from her. I said uh, before last week, I said like I can see Athena winning and then them delaying the Billy Starks coronation a little bit. And that is what happens. Now, how long do you go with Athena as the champion? Because she's kind of running out of contenders here and I don't know who's who's next to really step up. They've they got Taya Valkyrie. They've got Nyla Rose as, as potentials there, but like both of them are kind of heelish as well. I think Athena is still technically a heel. Um, can they bring Ronda back for a match? Like, is that where they end up going? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where they they're introducing a ROH Women's Television Championship apparently. So they're gonna have a new. Um, new ROH women's title. Yeah. I don't know who's next for Athena. The match was really good. Match was fantastic. Um, I, I just don't know where they're going next with Athena after beating Billy Starks. What do you think? Yeah, either do I, I don't know. How, how's Layla Hirschman doing? I know that she's been on ring of honor. I like her a lot. Uh, she, she lost to Athena not too long ago. Not that they can't like rebuild her or anything. The next ROH show is not until, uh, wrestlemania weekend i assume yeah like that's the next right. big roh show so like they got plenty of time to rebuild it'll and be, by that point it'll be billy it'll be billy again by then yeah by that point you can get back to to billy so yeah yeah i i don't know what athena is going to do in the meantime outside of just proving ground matches and then that's a long time to stretch this, yeah like it feels like you need something in between this <clears throat> yeah regardless though i do think so I will say, so I thought the match between Athena and Billy Starks was awesome. I I loved it. I was really, really hoping that Billy was going to win the championship. But like, okay, so the match ruled. I was a bit confused by the, uh, like afterwards, right? Like I think a lot of people were kind of like, you went through all this and now you're just like hugging at the end of the match. And you just want to be your minion again. I get it. By the, by the time that they rematch, They'll have another falling out and and it'll be a great moment because now you can set the stage for Billy to win this title like WrestleMania weekend. Like that's that's an even bigger stage. So I'm I'm okay with this if that's the end game still. But Billy proved like she's clearly ready to be the champion there already. She's only 19. She just turned 19. And she's <clears throat> she's one of the best in-ring workers, honestly, I think you can find out there. Like, I think she's, she's fantastic. And Athena is, is absolutely killing it. Like she, and she has the whole time she's been in ring of honor. So like, these are two women who are operating at a super high level. I'd be totally fine with them having a series of matches with one another, one another for the championship. As a Billy Starks fan, I wanted to see her win, but she still got to do all her stuff. I mean, she did like a Segway driver on the outside and, She's hitting her swantons and I mean, all, all, all the Billy Stark stuff that you want to see, she was able to do, which was really cool. I know mouse was really proud. I got to see 
you know, all the people, it was really cool seeing all the support for Billy. Cause she was so for people who don't know, who might just be like familiar with Billy now that she's in ring of honor. And I know people know that she's young, but like, you know, she started training when she was probably like 14 years old or so. And she's been actually out there wrestling on the independent circuit as young as like probably around 15 years old. But the reason that's so crazy outside of the age is like, she already is like this young veteran because she has these years already. And like, so she's, she's worked with so many hundreds of wrestlers on the independent scene and has built all this goodwill in the wrestling community already before ever going to AEW and ring of honor. So it isn't that she's just this like, Oh cool. She's like, she's the same, same with Nick Wayne, by the way, like these aren't just like these like kids who are just now starting that are like, Oh, there's some talent here. Let's put them on TV. It's like, no, these are people who earned their way over the last like four or five years of their lives touring the world and, and really putting the work in and earning their spots in these companies, just like anybody else would. They just did it at a super young age, but it's so cool seeing at 19 years old, the amount of support that she was getting online of like, it's Billy Stark's day, like big bill. Let's go. Like, it's like, it, it just, it was great to see. So her time's coming. Uh, they have all the time in the world with her, but at this and, and same with Nick. But why wait? The talent's there. S- similar to MJF. MJF was in his early twenties when he started his AEW run. Like just because he's the whole talent over tenure thing is is real to me. Like if you're talented, I don't care how long you've been around. Um, AJ Styles wasn't a wrestling fan growing up. He's been open. He's openly talked about that plenty. Like he was an he was an athlete. I think he was a baseball player, and it, you know he he just he kind of fell into pro wrestling at an older age. And I say older age, he was still, he was still fairly young in the grand scheme of things, but he wasn't a wrestling fan. So I, I, I like in his early twenties or whatever, he, he starts wrestling. He's really good at it because he's athletic and he became one of the best of all time. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you love wrestling or not, if you're a fan or not, if you're 19 years old, if you're 40 years old, I don't care what it is. If you're good at this, I want to see you do this. And, uh, Billy Starks is like, she'll, she'll be the next ring of honor women's champion. So it'll happen at the next show. I think it should have already happened, but there's really the only, the only problem I have with this is like, we've already, the story's already played out in my opinion. It's like, you already did the whole minion thing. There's already two hours plus worth of, of, hi, of highlights and storytelling you can find on YouTube of this story itself over the last close to, you know, eight months or whatever it's been. You've already told the story. Now she's back to being the minion. So you got to kind of redo the breakup again to lead to the rematch, which just doesn't, you kind of already done it. Like you could have just waited, I guess, and just done this all at WrestleMania. But I also get her losing and them her chasing the title again and stuff. I get it. But anyway, shout out Billy Starks and shout out Athena. Great run that she's on. And, and, and it takes two to do this. It isn't just, uh, I'm this huge Billy Starks fan. It's all about Billy Starks. Athena did her part as well. And I thought, I thought that that was the best match of the pay-per-view. And those are, those are, those are stacked ring of honor pay-per-views like in ring. They always show out. And I thought that was the best match of the show. It was a fantastic, fantastic match. And now we'll see what happens with Athena and Billy Starks and how long, how much more they can get out of this. Maybe Billy does win the women's television title. And then she decides, you know, after defending that for however long, Options. She's going to once again go after Athena and then she does eventually win that title. Uh, Rob is saying Billy Stark's more talented than Charlotte. Flair. I'd agree with, I'd agree with that. Uh, the other, other spotlight, Josh Bishop, it finally aired our pal, Joshua Bishop. He won the MLW battle Royal 
tossing Matthew Justice over the top with the uh, uh, what's he called? Bishop Bomb. Yeah, I was gonna say Bishop Bomb, and I was like, that doesn't seem correct. Uh, but toss him over the top. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, and, and he won, and Bishop's gonna get a get a pretty big push, I'd imagine, here in MLW, especially if Hammerstone's actually leaving uh, at the end of the year. Yes. The, so this is kind of back to. So this actually happened in like the middle of November, but yeah. it's airing now, which is a little strange because like they've had some big MLW shows in between this, so it's all kind of catching up timeline wise on fusion now on a but by the way you can watch it for free on on the mlw youtube channel just search major league wrestling you can watch these these shows for free you know um yeah and we just wanted to we we talked about this with bishop when we when we interviewed him recently because it had already happened but so we if you want to hear his thoughts on it you know he talks about winning this match but um it's cool that it's finally aired. So we can kind of talk about it now here without it being a spoiler, but yeah, essentially what wound up happening was there was a battle Royal on MLW fusion this past week. And the final two participants uh, left in the match were Josh Bishop and Matthew justice. The two of them have a long storied history with one another. Uh, some of the most viral indie moments that you're going to find in the last you know handful of years are clips of those guys doing like death Valley drivers and stuff like off of balconies through tables. Um, I don't know if Cole's still in here, Cole Radrick, but he has a clip that goes viral. Um, every, every like handful of months, you'll see the clip of him laying on a table. while Someone jumps off of the scaffold and misses him. Um, <clears throat> every now and then I see the clip of Bishop and Bishop and justice, like um, doing the death Valley driver. Cause by the way, it's like th- justice doesn't, drop him like like oh like john cena off the ladder to edge at tlc like all right you're taking this see ya like they go together both jump off of off of the scaffold through the through the tables it's it's gnarly and it's super dangerous but the two of these guys have a history of doing crazy stuff they love hitting each other over the head with unprotected chair shots these guys are absolutely nuts um the finish of this match was Josh Bishop doing the Bishop bomb, which for those who don't know, it's essentially, it's like an outsider's edge, but then he turns it like into the power bomb. So he kind of like throws your, throws you up that grabs you by the legs and hits you. So love it. Uh, and he did it. He did Sorry. He did it uh, from the inside the ring over the top rope through a table on the outside. Um, so it was, it was badass. And I don't know when it's airing, but, bishop and justice like they have a a one-on-one match in mlw um i just don't know the timeline on like when and where all this is going to air because they do all the fusion episodes are on on youtube for free but then they do the live ple's on fight plus that are in like in real time that are actually live so um shout out to joshua bishop though um and wtf over there in mlw uh i I, y'all know me just anywhere that's trying to push josh bishop i'm a i'm a fan of of seeing that happen so uh hopefully he gets a big push coming out of this i'd like to see him beat matthew justice no disrespect to matthew justice i'm a big fan of his as well but um they got a cool opportunity with josh bishop and mlw he's never been there before he's brand new to them and they're they're making really strong comparisons to him and sid vicious like even in the promos and stuff that he's doing but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like there were some really awesome qualities about Sid Vicious, like that fans miss. And 
Bishop's a better in-ring worker than than Sid was. Like he he looks similar to Sid, but like he moves around better than Sid. Um, and he's a lot younger. I mean, he's I mean, well, obviously in real time he's a lot younger, but <laughs> Bishop's still only like 25, 26 years old. So he's got his whole future ahead of him. And I've said it a thousand times, and I'm not speaking for him or for anyone else. Like I'm just saying it myself as a fan. I I think it's only a matter of time before Joshua Bishop's in the WWE and he's like a household name in wrestling. So if you want to know more about him and you want to see him get a push here in MLW, watch the most recent episode of MLW fusion and watch him Bishop bomb his way to a champion, sorry, to a, a win in a, an MLW for that, uh, that battle Royal. I like they're positioning Bishop Bishop to uh, a very high level. I know with, again, with Hammerstone, potentially leaving he's going to be free agent at the end of the year whether or not he returns we saw richard holiday leave and then come back a few months later so it's not to say that hammerstone is guaranteed to leave he just might test other things out see where he ends up positioning out of that if hammerstone does leave for a longer haul bishop is kind of the guy to kind of step up and be that uh kind of enforcer for for the wtf he has a great chemistry with tom lawler He's going to be working with Cardona, Richard Holiday. All these guys are very well television ready, have been on television uh, before, and Bishop can learn a lot from them. And that's going to better prepare him. Sorry to MLW. It's going to better prepare him for a company like WWE or AEW, uh, where you know I think everybody wants to, to end up. I mean, Bishop has made no secret. He wants to end up in WWE, he's talked about that with us. So that's not any breaking news that I'm putting out there. Uh, so yeah, uh, looking forward to see what they do with Bishop in MLW. And, you know, hopefully he has, he actually gets a, a pay-per-view match and not just kind of TV taping matches moving forward. Yes. Bishop's just got to um, keep buying those bootleg shirts when he goes to WWE shows, meets, <laughs> uh, meets the, the higher ups that, that that's good. That's going to get him in. So um yeah, for those of you who don't know, listen to our interview with him. He's actually, I've seen him tweet about that a little more often too, about this. He he, he was he went to a, a WWE Raw in Ohio fairly recently. It was the show where like Kevin Owens put over AIW and everything. And um the, and yeah, he uh he apparently <laughs> bought just like a like outside outside of these events, usually they'll have like the bootleg shirts and stuff that are super cheap. And he apparently, I, I need to see the shirt. I don't know if we ever saw a picture of it, but apparently it had like running in the company anymore and stuff. Like you know, really poorly photoshopped into this shirt. And they brought him like around the restaurant. I think they brought him backstage, and he like he like got to actually like meet Kevin Owens and stuff in person. And he's wearing this boot like WWF shirt that he bought outside. I love it. Gosh, Bishop's the man. Uh, move on to the the indie spotlight here. I'm gonna give a big motherfucking shout out. Jake something won the Glory Pro Crown uh, at Glory Championship. What, what's it called, Jensen? Glory the Crown of Glory of Glory Championship. <laughs> Making sure I was saying that right. I thought yes. words, the order of the words there confused me. To made me oh. believe saying it wrong i can explain i can explain the whole situation okay. here it's a little it's a little bit hard to explain so okay so over in glory pro wrestling one of my favorite independent promotions y'all should go check them out shout out to dan the dad and everybody doing hard work over there behind the scenes and all the people all the talented people out there in the ring for glory pro wrestling um full disclosure i went over to nashville i used to drive 
like five hours one way, five hours back just to go to like the St. Louis area to watch Glory Pro shows because the, the talent was, I mean, it was just, the, it they were indie wrestling shows to like I'd never really seen before, like when, when I started going there. And I, I owe a lot to Glory Pro as far as like my fandom of, of indie wrestling. And they have a show called Ascend that airs every every week on their YouTube channel. I don't know how long the series runs for. They just did episode 15 was the most recent one and it's for free on their YouTube channel. So just search glory pro wrestling. I give the results for their shows pretty much every episode of the weekender over on fightful select. So if you want to keep up with them more, check out the weekender. Um, but over this past week or so, there's been some big, some big moves, some big wins uh, for the glory pro crown of glory championship called the, the clown of glory that the clown of glory championship uh the crown of glory championship um which is the heavyweight title for glory pro so the champion going into ascend episode 15 which is the most recent episode on on youtube the champion going into the show was calvin tankman camara jackson who is the former champion he wound up beating calvin tankman hit him with the lariat one, two, three, won the title to finish up Ascend. Um, we're sorry, to win the main event, I should say, of Ascend episode 15. After the match, before he could even really celebrate the win, Jake something came out to the ring and he attacked both Tankman and the new champion, Kamara Jackson. Warhorse came out and made the save there. So Warhorse came out and he fought off Jake something. So now it's Warhorse holding this title belt and handing it to Jackson, but Warhorse doesn't really want to let go of it because he's like, oh, I want to be the champion too. So we're coming out of this, out of Ascend, where Jackson's the new champion. Jake something has made an attack. Warhorse made the save. All three of these guys want to be the champion. So fast forward to, I believe it was on the 17th of December. And I don't think this has aired yet. And I apologize if it has. I haven't been able to see this. I saw on the Glory Pro's Twitter is actually where I first noted. I saw pictures that Jake something had become the new champion. He had just defeated Jackson, who had just won the title. And I went and I couldn't find the match anywhere. So keep a lookout for that. It'll probably be available on either their YouTube channel or streaming service. So I'll keep people up to date, especially on the weekend or when I'm able to watch it. But so Jake something wins the championship in a triple threat over Warhorse and Jackson a few days ago, which is setting up a three stages of hell match coming up like within the next 10 days. Glory Pro has their big year that end of the year show. So the next big Glory Pro show, the big main event is going to be a three stages of hell <laughs> match. It's going to be Jake something defending his championship against Warhorse. So that gets everybody caught up on what's going on in Glory Pro Wrestling. Just wanted people to know that there have been two new champions over the last week or so, and there's a big three stages of hell match coming up. And Warhorse is really hungry right now for like something to happen. Like he's been gunning for that IWTV championship again that he lost but never had a chance to reclaim. He's trying to get this Crown of Glory championship. He's you know he's out there. He's, he seems very very motivated to make some big moves right now because he's been in a, in, a, in a limbo for quite a while. So keep your eyes on that and check it out when when it's available. I, I would I would I would highly recommend following the Glory Pro Wrestling product. I think they're a, a fantastic independent promotion, and uh, 
we got some damn good wrestlers. I mean, think about the people I just talked about. Camaro Jackson's awesome, and he's somebody who's still fairly under the radar in the grand scheme of things, but he's really talented. Everywhere I've seen him wrestle, he's done a great job, and he gets over everywhere. Calvin Tankman, same thing. He's no longer with MLW, so he's kind of free to be wherever, and I'm, I'm interested to see where he lands eventually because he could be a big deal really anywhere. Warhorse, just talked about him. Probably the longest – I think he was the longest reigning IWTV champion ever. And uh, once again, trying to get back and in, into where he's trying to get to. And I've also seen him making big moves over in Moist Wrestling League with 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 Charlie, aka Penguin Zero, aka Moist Critical, and those guys over there on YouTube and Twitch and stuff making big moves. Then you got Jake Something, who is you know a big name doing big things in Impact Wrestling, and and a guy who could very well become a big star in AEW or WWE one day as well. He's got a ton of potential still, and he's been doing a, a great job for a long time. So those four people alone, right there, that's the top of the card for 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 glory pro wrestling so go go support glory pro we we i try to post and the dad's always good about uh messaging me of posting glory pro the the show which streams for free glory pro has send streams for free every week on their their channel so you can just go over there subscribe to the channel and you know check out the the weekly shows and then usually they they have like the the big pay-per-view events i don't know if they air on any platform but They've changed the matches. streaming platforms. So, like, I don't know where they are currently, but they have been on IWTV. They have been on Fight Plus. I don't, I don't know. The, but the matches from the big shows typically air as, as part of the Ascend series is what, what happened. So. Sorry, yes. You're, I didn't mean to cut you off. You are correct about that. Like, you mo- everything that they, that they tape and stuff, like, you eventually should be able to watch on YouTube. I, they, yeah. they usually air, like, two or three matches per episode of Ascend, and Ascend usually runs anywhere between like a half hour and an hour long. So it's a, it's an easy watch as a wrestling fan too. And it's free. You can watch it on any platform off of YouTube. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out glory pro, go check them out. They're doing, they're doing good stuff. And a uh, shout out to Dan, the dad. He's always, he's been kind to us. So absolutely appreciate him. Uh, the other indie spotlights, Mick Foley, a very rare appearance at uh, ICW. No holds barred taking out um, uh, John Wayne Murdoch. Uh, in in the match, hitting him with a barbed wire, I believe it was barbed wire two by four. Might have been a baseball baseball bat. bat. Yeah. Okay. And then he, he uh, used a double arm DDT, dressed as Santa Claus as well. Mick Foley, rare, very rare, independent appearance for Mick Foley. We thought, you yeah, say? came out and helped Terra Zap get the win over JWM and ICW NHB. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the crowd went nuts as as they should. I mean, you're at so. ICW No Holds Barred, they ran two shows over this past weekend. The first one was in New York City, where they couldn't for the same for similar reasons like when when GCW ran Hammerstone, Hammerstone, Hammerstein, Hammerstein. Hammerstein. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> um when uh when GCW ran Hammerstein, they had like the limitations on like blood and certain weapons and stuff like that. ICW NHB had the same kind of thing going on with uh their new york city show um and but it was a great show like they i actually talked about that on the weekend or quite a bit how like like brian myers for instance had a match on the new york city icw nhb show <laughs> and it was one of the best brian myers matches i think i've ever seen and it wasn't like overly like it was just like a hardcore match and i thought it was, it was really really good um against Danny Damato. um i uh and my, my point though is like, so they had this like this this show on, on in New York City where they couldn't really do what they normally would with like all the all the as much violence as 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 much weapons 
no blood the environment and a lot of the time they'll do the matches in like a cage like in a facto cage or like they'll like literally go out into like the like on a beach like in the sand and just like draw lines in there and like that's where they fight at for the night for the matches and stuff and uh the reason i'm bringing all this up is because that was night one of the of icw and hb night two is what we're talking about right now and this this was in uh i think in new jersey i want to say where the rules are completely different so this was like a true ICW and HB show. So like this Tara Zep versus um, John Wayne Murdoch match was brutal, violent, bloody, just like the, the, they made up for like, they couldn't do the death matches on show one. So show two was all death matches. And, um, and so this is, and once again, the reason this is all relevant is because this is a death match crowd that was watching this happen. So they're watching JWM and Zep. They're bloodthirsty they are deathmatch wrestling fans. They are into it. And these are two of the best in the game going one going one on one in this deathmatch scenario. And out comes Santa Claus, which at first people are like, what? But then you kind of see the way Santa Claus is walking, and you're like, wait a second. Like that's that's kind of a limp that I recognize. And then you realize like they get up close to his face, and then especially once he gets into the ring and like people are like, wait, that's Mick Foley. No way. Mick Foley is here at ICW NHB at this random like bar, wherever, wherever this was happening at like in a death match. Cause like, these are people who appreciate like the Japanese death match and like the stuff that, that, that Mick Foley, like this is Mick Foley's people that he came out in front of. So the place popped huge to see Mick Foley. And then, like you said, he hit a double arm DDT. He's Barbie, the, the baseball bat and, boom it was barbie the barbed wire two by four well technically i don't know but he yeah the- that that's what confused me of which one he used of like sometimes he used the two by four sometimes he used the baseball bat it's just whatever gimmick he could yeah. find to wrap in barbed wire but he he hit john wayne murdoch in the head with that with that barbed wire baseball bat and then zep came off the top rope with a flying crossbody. one two three got the w after the match McFoley got on the microphone and put over zep put over the talent put over deathmatch wrestling and the fans and just I can't imagine how cool that would have been. like I would have been going crazy too like you you go to this you go to this show in in New Jersey in this like bar or wherever this it was like a small venue and like there's not that many I mean for like for an indie show that it was it was a good turnout like don't get me wrong but like in the grand scheme of things like not that many people like for McFoley is, is my point of view is like Mick Fo- like for Mick Foley to show up at this thing and make this appearance and get in the ring and hit a double arm DDT. Like he didn't just come out there and just say something. He actually came out there and hit one of his signature moves, use his, use his, his baseball bat. Like that's awesome. Like those fans got, got their money's worth plus, you know, times 10 by just being in the same building as Mick Foley that night. And you got to see him do that and like be in the ring during a death match. Like, there was already like broken glass and tubes and barbed wire and a whole bunch of stuff all over the ring. Foley didn't didn't care. Still McFoley goes there, hits a double arm DDT like it's nothing. Fall on glass, he doesn't care. So like, yeah, I just yeah, shout out to McFoley. That's that's incredible that he was willing to do that. And shout out to ICWNHB. I I cover their shows often on the weekender as well. They're they're a fantastic indie promotion. And even if you're not into just deathmatch wrestling, they have a they have a good mix of of, of a bit of everything, but they do run a lot of deathmatch heavy shows um, and they're running a lot more often out of like Chattanooga out of the TWE arena and stuff. Um, so 
keep your eye out for 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 ICW and HB. They 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 have a really really good product. I am not into the deathmatch stuff, as I think most people know. I've made it pretty clear on this show. I can take it in small doses, uh, but a full show can't do it. It is still very cool that Mick Foley was willing to come in, do this spot, put some extra attention on them because I don't watch uh, a lot of the IWC shows. Um, Again, not a deathmatch person, but I I watched this and and I saw the moment when when it happened that night. It happened on Saturday night. Uh, So I saw it when it happened. On that night, I, I know of John Wayne uh, Murdoch as well. He's he's done a lot of he's he's wrestled for like GCW and things like oh, that. Oh, big time! Yeah, he's like yeah. The, he's he's probably for my money. He's probably. I mean, I don't want to. This once again, I never want to like discredit anybody or like when I say certain stuff. But like, he's or actually, this is a fair way of saying it. he's arguably the best deathmatch wrestler in the world right now. John Wayne Murdoch, like he's 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 on everyone's list as like one of the top three, top five in the entire. <laughs> right now in that in the deathmatch scene so for sure yeah um so that was a it was a good get for foley to come in again foley doesn't really need to do this stuff he's a legend um so he clearly does it because he wanted to just give back to the company give back to wrestling in some way so that was cool that mcfoley would do it and is like paying attention to this kind of stuff like i know foley is still like involved a little bit in wrestling he i don't know if he does his podcast anymore if he does there has been a new episode in forever um but i know he like did pay some attention to like the 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 mainstream stuff the aw wwe stuff i didn't realize he was paying enough attention to know this stuff was going on and be willing to like help out with this he's done independent spots before but it's usually involved in like beating up frank the clown uh right he obviously he has obvious ties to uh so like i didn't realize he was you know paying attention to to non sort of that stuff so it was cool it was cool that that fully agreed to do this and it was cool that icw was uh was uh able to do it yeah absolutely very cool stuff you can watch that on independentwrestling.tv if you want to watch icw no holds barred all their shows or i think their entire library is available there you can use code fight talk if you want to um just let the platform know that uh, i sent you their way so just <coughs> excuse me f-i-g-h-t T-A-L-K, all is one word, no spaces. And uh, go watch you some independentwrestling.tv. All right. Let's, uh, Jensen, you stick around for the, the post or do you have to, to go? Possibly. So I have somebody coming over here at noon. There's a, I had a leak in my ceiling. It's fixed now. Like my roof is fixed, but like the actual ceiling, there's like a crack and like someone's got to come and patch this thing. So there are, I have somebody coming by at noon, my time. So depending on if they're still here or if, I, if I, i'll put it this way if i can jump back on the computer i'll jump back on after the interview but i can't guarantee that depending on if like what's going on here so okay um, um well if you want to go and plug everything now you can cool i'll plug my stuff real quick um thank you everyone for watching as always um you can follow me on x at fight talk underscore f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k underscore use code fight talk and independentwrestling.tv watch or sorry listen to the weekender podcast i should say the fightful select weekender podcast as normally on uh, sundays sometimes on mondays um it was actually on tuesday this week because i was out of town over the weekend and had i was in the mountains in north carolina and this i had no signal so i couldn't like stream shows until i got back home on monday so the weekender was a little late a little late this week but normally it's on a sunday or a monday um when football season's over it'll always be on sundays but nfl throws it off a little bit and Sometimes there's a GCW show like late on Sunday or something. So just keep everyone keep up with fightfulselect.com either Sunday or Monday, usually 
Fightful Select Weekender. Talk to the world of independent professional wrestling, so check that out. I'll probably do some sort of like best of year-end type show either this week or next week. Um, yeah, outside of that, I don't think there's anything else really to uh, to plug. I, I hope you all enjoy this interview with Ernest the Cat Miller, WCW, WWF legend. Um, and yeah, like I said, we, we were expecting to get like 20, 30 minutes. We go for like an hour 20. So I hope you enjoy it. Starts off a little bit slow, I think. I, I may be a little hard on myself for that. Like, I, I, at first, I was like, I think the cat's feeling us out a little bit. But then he really starts opening up. So I think you're going to really enjoy the interview. Um, and I, I very much appreciate his time because, as he mentions, he doesn't do very many of these. So we are very honored that he took the time to speak to us about so many topics here on the uh, the spotlight on Fightful. So thank you to the cat, Ernest Miller. Thank you, Jeremy, as always. Thank you, chat. Good seeing everybody. I don't have to clock in for work, though, so that's nice. So you may you may see me after the interview. All right, everybody, let's get into it. Creator Spotlight with the greatest of all time, WCW legend, WWE legend, even though he only wrestled like twice on television, Ernest the Cat Miller. Welcome to the Creator Spotlight, the interview portion of the Spotlight here on Fightful. I am Steven Jensen, joined as always by Jeremy Lambert. And our guest today is a professional wrestling legend. You know him from WCW, you know him from WWE, you know him as the Ayatollah from The Wrestler. He's a three-time world karate champion. He is the greatest. Ernest, the Cat Miller. Thank you, Ernest, for joining the show today. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you very much. This is this is a long time coming. Uh, for people who don't know, Small World. Um, I'm a lifelong fan of professional wrestling, and my brother is a boxing trainer around Atlanta, and he sees you all over the place. And I was like, if we could ever get Ernest the Cat Miller on the show, it would be an absolute honor. So. <laughs> Um, and, and, and you know, because he's such a nice guy, usually I said no to these, but because he's such a nice guy, I told him, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it for you. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate that a lot. That's exactly yes. what he told me, actually. So, <laughs> so thank you. Oh, we're going to have to give your brother a cut of this, Jensen. No, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what, what I did, as y'all can see, I'm going to do my own conversation on my own podcast. There you go. Yeah, Cat's Corner Podcast. <laughs> I love it. Podcast, yes. So how how have things been, man? Like I know you're really active around Atlanta with the karate and the training and everything you got. What you got going on right now for people who might not have been keeping up with you lately? I just finished a movie. Well, two movies. I got one movie coming out, which is a sci-fi movie, and it got a bunch of wrestler Ray Ray Glacier, if you remember him, Glacier, uh Stan uh Mr. Mr. Um, Tonga, and we got so many names, they just kind of slipped me right now because we all didn't work at the same time, but it's a, it's a bunch of us in this movie. So this movie is called The uh, Unbreakable Bunch, and that's a good movie. And then I just finished a movie with uh, Michael Jai White, a movie that, that's it's an action-packed movie, it's called Trouble Man. And that's a good, that's gonna be a pretty good movie as well. So looking forward to seeing those things out pretty soon. Yeah, me too. And you know, you mentioned Glacier, and of course I remember Glacier. He was actually my high school lacrosse coach at Lasseter High School briefly. Oh, was um, he? Yeah, yeah. He was there when the same time I was there at, <laughs> at that high school. So I didn't play for the lacrosse team. I wrestled on the wrestling team um with Steve Day, if you if you ever met him. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh but mentioning Glacier, I mean, 
one of my favorite memories as a kid being a fan of WCW was your debut and your alliance with Glacier against Wrath and Mortis. Um, you're still friends with Glacier to this day. Well, I'm, I'm friends with, with them all. Uh, rest in peace, Mortis, but uh, I'm still friends with most of, most of the guys I was with back then. Good, good to hear that you're you're keeping up uh, with, with everybody. Glacier, huge. I'm a huge fan of Glacier, and yeah, I know Jensen. You always have memories of that. Uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, we're gonna kind of jump around a lot here, but I wanted to ask about the 2004 Royal Rumble and any memories uh, from from that match that you part, partook in. Man, that Royal Rumble. You know, my days in WWE was it was kind of up and down. I really didn't want to go to WWE because I had made from wrestling. You know, okay, let me let me go back to my start. Before I started wrestling, I was a karate instructor. I was a world karate champion. I was making pretty good money teaching karate. I was having fun working with people in the karate world. And then, but the thing was, I wasn't making that much money. So what did I wanted to do is I wanted, I said, I wish I could make more money and I could continue to do this. But I had a two-year-old son at the same time. So, you know, I kind of wanted to kind of secure his future as well with with a, with something that was paying a little bit more. So when, when wrestling came along, it was a thing to where I was going to come out, WCW was going to be on my name enough to where I could get a contract in Japan and I would go spend three months out of the year over in Japan, then making more money. Then I was going to come back to the state here, Atlanta, not just states, but Atlanta and teach karate. So when I was in WCW, I kind of grew real fast. I took off. So by the time Japan wanted me to come over there, of course, they wanted me to come and lose to one of the top wrestlers over there. And WCW, Eric Bischoff said, no, we don't want to send you over there to lose. Right now, you're doing really well, so we're going to keep you here. So anyway, through those four or five years that I was in WCW, I made a hell of a lot of money. I made enough money to where I just said, this is enough. I can leave wrestling now. But then when they decided to sell to WWE, I got paid another three years just to sit at home. But instead of sitting at home, I saw my teacher karate and spend it with my kids. But I had three years of pay. So that was enough money for wrestling. Well, I said I can go back in and now I can teach karate and have my have money set aside for retirement and everything. But out of nowhere, John Ace gave me a call. He said, hey, man, you need to come up to WWE. He said, Ernie, he said, wow. He said, because it's an opportunity up here for you. I think they'll like you up here. And I said, well, you know, I don't know if that's what I want to do. I said, if they like me, they know who I am. And John A said, well, Vince don't know who you are. I said, Vince know who I am from WCW. So... They talked, we talked for a couple more times. Then they offered me a real kind of low ball. Wasn't a lot of money, not, not enough money to make me come there and be happy. It was just, matter of fact, I'm going to tell you about $220,000 a year. 
And I was making that in one month when I was in WCW. So I said, you know, that's bottom pay, but you if you get pay-per-view, if you get this, if you get all the stuff I used to get in WCW, if you hit this rating, you get a bump up, they give you a little bit more money. So I said, okay. So he talked me into it. I said, you know what? I'm going to go up there because I want to say that I worked in the two largest companies in wrestling. So I'm going to go up there anyway. And when I got up there, I recognized right offhand. No one treated me disrespectfully. Vince McMahon was really nice. I mean, he was like, I, I almost enjoyed working for him almost as much as I enjoyed working for Eric Bischoff. Because Vince door was always open to me. We would sit down and have a conversation. I used to fly on this plane with him to New York where we had to work in the morning. He was just a nice guy. I enjoyed working for him. But the way, I don't know if you guys remember, around 2004, the way they were bringing in all the WC guys like Goldberg, uh, Dallas Page, Buff Bagwell, Scott Steiner, they were bringing in all these WCW guys and they were just killing them. Well, nobody really doing anything. Nobody did anything. So I said, you know what? I'm going to turn this around. So we had a dark match. And it was my first time in a dark match up there. And the thing was, it was me and I, was, I forgot who we were wrestling. But I was supposed to go to the ring and make the save on John Cena. John Cena was getting double teamed by two guys. I forgot who it was. He was getting beat by two guys. And the thing was, I was supposed to hit the ring we John Cena and I said, clear the ring and be back to back. Champ standing up. So we cleared the ring. The crowd went crazy when they heard my music. I hit the slid in, boom, boom, bounced people around. And John Cena, when it was over, John Cena got the mic and he started doing this yo, 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 yo. Maybe you do that little rap stuff. He started doing that little rap stuff, yo, 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 yo. And the crowd was with it. But then, John Cena reached, and then John Cena reached the mic out to me. And before I even touched the mic, the crowd popped. They knew what they was about to get, and they wanted it. It was so loud. So when I reached and got the mic, I heard the crowd popping. So they were saying, cat, cat, cat. They were cheering for me. And we were taught one thing I did learn. If the crowd is heated like that with a loud crowd chant, chanting your name what you do is you just listen to that you don't have to say anything they already doing it so i was just listening to it then they didn't know whoever was the referee the referee came over and said hey cat the backstage said give the mic back to john cena i said i didn't say anything yet give it back to john cena so i gave the mic back to john cena and at that time they were working to get john cena over and when I left the ring, it was something that came over me that said, you know what? Why do they not want me to deliver? I can deliver. Why did they not? Why did they stop me from delivering? And I started to get this little urgent feeling that it was something a little bit more to these contracts than what I thought. So by the time going now, jumping back to Royal Rumble, this is what after. I had stopped doing the commentary, the announcing, the color commentator. Commentator, I had just stopped doing that. 
And then I was thinking, okay, I want to get back in the ring and try to wrestle. So this was like one of my first time back. They said, you're going to be in the Royal Rumble. You're going to be like 15 or 16, man, something like that. You're going to be 15 now. So, man, they hit my music. I hit the stage. Boom. Once again, the crowd popped. Huge. Royal Rumble won the biggest pay-per-views around. That Royal Rumble was beautiful, man. I mean, the crowd, when when my music hit, the whole world, the whole thing down, they popped. When I got in the ring, started dancing, kicking people out, they popped. The crowd was going crazy. Pop me and the crowd just react to you. They went crazy. And the music was loud, man. The people were cheering me. If you go back and look at it, the crowd, were all into it. Even to the last moment when they got up and threw me out. The crowd popped huge. So I felt like I, the job was done. And I'm going to tell you this. As soon as I walked back through the curtains, past Gorilla. Gorilla is a, the, the, do you guys know Gorilla? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a very, everyone's going to know all the inside germs that you use. Yeah. 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 So the I went past Gorilla and Vince McMahon was there. He shook his head, shaved, shook his head. So it was good, like that, because he was on the headphone. Then when I walked out, Chris Canyon approached me, who was up there. And Chris Canyon said, hey, I just want you to know this cat. He said, the whole time you was in the ring, Vince McMahon was popping. He was just laughing. The whole time you was in the ring, he popped huge. So, okay, that's the big show. Royal Rumble. I thought I had proved a little something. Then Monday night was that kind of carryover from that. And they didn't even have me on the show. So I used to call him the angry man because he looked like he was always angry. Hugh Morris. You remember Hugh Morris? Of course. Yeah. Hugh Morris walked down. He's like, I don't know what the hell these people are doing around. He was angry at something. I don't know what the hell these guys are doing around here. But why do they not have you on this show? You got the biggest pop yesterday on Royal Rumble. They don't have you on the show. So I was like, I don't know. He said, bro. If they want to get you over, they can get anybody over they want. Hell, they got a sock over. I said, yeah, you're right. He said, so he said, they're not doing anything with us. They just brought us in because it probably were part of the contract. You guys will sell WCW to you guys for a crazy low amount of money. And the only thing you guys have to do is at least give everybody an opportunity that's under contract right now. And they probably said yeah. So I think they was a little obligated to give us that that moment in the sun and that opportunity to say it's an opportunity. But if you guys remember, during that time, any other WCW guys came over at that time after the merger, after the after they purchased WCW, nobody did well. Now people said, what about Chris Jericho and and Chavo and Eddie Guerrero, no, if you remember, they left before that merger. Yeah. 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 The only one of after that, Booker T would really be the only one that I think after the merger, you could say, like, yeah, no, no Booker, one... Booker T left early. They wanted Booker T. Booker T contract was up. So Booker T left to go up there. So Booker T was not at that time, but he was in that process right before, right before that time. They wanted Booker T the whole time. 
Understood. Gotcha. Well, and, and, but you're right. I mean, cause I, I grew up a huge WCW fan being from Atlanta. So I was bummed out seeing you guys, like all my favorite wrestlers. Like I wanted to see you guys in the WWE and wanted to see you guys against the, the best WWE wrestlers. And yeah, it was, it was, as a fan, it was disappointing just for what it's worth. Cause I was a huge WCW fan. Hey brothers, WCW for me was great. WWE was great, man. WWE, it was like WCW was like a division two for me because I had everybody around me that I needed. I had the head of the board with Eric Bischoff, who was a friend. I can always talk to him. He will always, you know, give me the, the good jobs and tell me what I need to do and encourage me. Then I had people like Disco Inferno, Alex Wright, uh, um, Hogan, uh, Macho Man. I had all this talent around me. All I had to do is say, when I got ready for my match, all I do is say, okay, what should I do at this time? What should I say? And they will always give me feedback. But when I went up to WWE, that's just like going to heart. Yeah, so when I went to WWF, man, WWE, it was like going to Yale University or going to the higher end where you all, where you on your own. You know, it's like, those guys was like professionals, so they their spot meant something to them. You know what I'm saying? Their spot meant something. I'm not gonna help you to raise to to come to that next spot when I may be in that next that that next spot. You you know, so it's something you had to get on your own. So see me, that was that was a part of wrestling. Now think about this. This is, this is what people say about me in the locker room. For me that never have ever been in the wrestling business. For me, never wanted to be a wrestler. I came into the business and in five years, I did something that a lot of people haven't done in about 15 years. I went to the top. I was in the top level of wrestling and I got over. Yeah. For just five years, think about it. No, I didn't do the indie circuit. Everything I learned, I was in the power plant for all but 30 days. Because what happened, I wasn't supposed to be a part of the Glacier and that kind of, you know, that group. I was not supposed to be a part of that. But what happened was going to be Glacier versus these two guys and somebody else. Glacier broke his ankle doing something, and they needed somebody in there who can do karate. So they said, Kat, can you just go and just, you know, lift them up and be the karate guy for them in that in that gimmick? So I said, yes. So I stepped in. And it did, you know, they still say my debut, one of the best debuts ever, you know, Cam coming over the road, kicking people and with the energy. I mean, the crowd went crazy. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, you asked me if I remember Glacier. I mean, I have props here, Ernest. Like, I have a Glacier mask here right here signed by Glacier himself. Like, I, I very much, very much remember all of this uh, very fondly. And was your, was, your, was your introduction to WCW and your relationship with Eric Bischoff, like, actually through you training the family with, in karate? Well, yes, yes. I knew. I did not know who Eric Bischoff was. I didn't even know Eric Bischoff's name. His son was a 12-year-old kid that was in my karate class that I'm very fond of. He was such a great kid, and we just worked out together all the time. His wife was the one bringing him in, because I guess Eric was traveling. 
his wife was bringing him in, and um, this kid's a great kid. We're still friends today. You know, he's 30-something, maybe almost 40, but we're still great friends. That's Garrett, Garrett Bischoff, correct? Garrett Bischoff, yes. Yeah. Did you help train him when he went into TNA? Who, me? Yeah. Like, did you have any help with, with his wrestling training at all? Because he wrestled I, I, didn't, I, I didn't at all, man. I didn't help him. Once he got into wrestling, I had stepped away from it. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I want to ask, I want to go back to the Super Brawl 2000, James Brown, the appearance of James Brown. I don't know how this came together, but so I want to ask you, how did this come together? When did you find out that James Brown was going to be there? Bro, do you do you even know who James Brown is? I know who James Brown is. You sure? Yes. Who is James Brown? James Brown, a very famous singer, entertainer. So were Elvis. So was Johnny Cash. So was little uh, little Edward. It's a bunch of them. Do you know name one of James Brown's songs? I'll give you a thousand dollars. You got five seconds. One, two. He's the Godfather three, of Soul. Four, five. Now see, there you go. No, I said name on this record. God no. But no, man, James working with James Brown. Working with James Brown was a highlight of my life. I mean, it's something, I know I grew up, not, when I was a kid, I knew everything about this man. I knew how he danced, I knew where he was from, I knew when he was coming on TV, I just knew everything about him. And then when it kind of worked his way, worked his way out, man, I listen, bro, I, I, got, a, I got video of me doing something I always wanted to do, and that dance like James Brown, and I did it with James Brown, so it was fantastic, man, great. I don't know if you have a follow-up about Jeremy, but yes. Oh, I, man, he put yeah. me on the spot. I, I feel did. bad that I did blank. On well, a, on a it's James, okay, Jeremy, James it's Brown okay. Song. You're a young guy. <laughs> you don't look like you listen to a lot of soul music. I don't listen to it a lot, but look, I watched WCW in my time. I know that you you were doing basically the James Brown. You were talking about James Brown a lot. And getting James Brown, this is what I give WCW a lot of credit for. When they got like Rodman to come in, Carl Malone right off the NBA finals, and then getting a James Brown appearance was, I know how big it was. For Bro, that, that's the part of wrestling that will never be duplicated again in its history. People don't realize WCW is not around anymore. James Brown is not around anymore. And that's a moment, you know, if that was in WWF or WWE, it'll be one of the highlights moments you know it'll be one of the biggest highlight moments around having james brown come to the ring it'll be almost they were just like they had muhammad ali come to the ring um i want to jump around a little bit more recent as well right now cat because you probably don't even know this but um so i was live at championship district wrestling cdw in atlanta georgia you competed in a handicap match. It was you, Diamond Sheik, and Ben Bishop against the infantry, Carly Bravo and Sean Dean. Um, I was actually on commentary um, for that match, and you gave me a big high five right there live, and it was awesome. And you put on a great show. How was your experience at Championship District Wrestling? Man, you know what? That's, to me, that is, I don't even know if it's, now this is, this is the thing about it about today's wrestling. 
I haven't wrestled on TV in so long, you know, that I just did that as a favor to the old guys because I trained with a lot of those guys. But there was people there who really didn't know anything about wrestling and didn't know a lot about me. After the match, these some of these people came up to me and said the same thing. Man, you look like you just such a more high caliber of talent than the guys that were coming. And I'm not trying to put myself over. It was just, they said, you know how to sell stuff. You know how to, to make things look real. No, it's just the charisma that we have that you need as a wrestler that a lot of these guys don't have anymore. Everybody now want to walk around. And I see this all the time. They want to have the biggest muscles. They want to be Lex Luger. They want to be, uh, uh, they want to be the meanest guy around. They want everybody to fear them just the way they look. They come to the ring, chew and go, walking like they six feet tall and they're only five eight. That's not charisma. Charisma is being able to do anything you do in the ring, make people watch you. And when they watch you, they can follow along, and now they know the story you're trying to tell. And they know the people who you're telling this story with and through. That's what we was as a wrestler in no time. Now, that, that, that championship, you saw me. You saw how the crowd was in everything I did. And a lot of them didn't know me. A lot of them were just there. They didn't know who I was, but they were fully entertained just by the little stuff that I did in the ring. And you could tell by the crowd. Yeah, I was going crazy. I was having a great time. The crowd was having a great time. Um, hey, do you have, and now, yeah. now, now, Jeremy, I want you to forgive me now. I didn't mean to attack you like that. No, no but, but every now and then I look over at you and you look like a young, uh, what was the guy named with, with Mortis and uh, Ralph? Oh, James Vanderbeek. Yeah, you look a lot like Vanderberg. You look a lot like Vanderberg. I'll take that. That's a, I mean, he was just doing cocaine on an NWA. Uh, he was. <laughs> he was not. Well, I didn't say you look like him doing cocaine. <laughs> no, but did you see that, Ernest? Recently, no, he, he, he was, they, they did a spot on an NWA show where he was seen at a table doing cocaine and licking it off his fingers and everything right there on the, on the screen. So. And see, what kind of image is that for an wrestler? Oh, it wasn't good because they, they, they have lost yeah. the television deal. Yeah, yeah, NWA, it was not good for them. Yeah. Oh, and they let that go through? It was on a pay-per-view. Yeah, it was on a pay-per-view. PLE on Fight Plus. It was on a fight, a Fight TV, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I don't watch a lot of wrestling today. I got a lot of young friends who are in there wrestling, but I don't really watch a lot of wrestling today, you know? Uh, well, you weren't missing much with uh, that that pay-per-view uh oh yeah that was some okay stuff but yeah that yeah. that was a that one might have cost them a television deal airing that so now i uh, wonder i wonder how 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 shows like nwa i wonder how those guys can really sustain their time out there like that without having a tv contract i mean are they making well, any money i mean are fans with them or it's just the community the wrestling world universe
collecting pumpkins money. That's uh, oh yeah, oh is that yeah. 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 <laughs> he owned it, so he's still yeah. Um, but, well, but, speaking of, so, there's kind of a link there almost. The theme songs, the theme, you know, I'm going with this, Jeremy. Ernest Miller, your original theme song was later used for oh yeah for Tyrus, who was the NWA champion up until recently. Actually, do you still like, ever hear people like singing that song to you or anything? Does somebody call my mama? Uh, bro, listen, Mark Henry and I were talking on my podcast yesterday. He said Ernest probably one of the only one that came in that people recognized him by something he created. Somebody called my mama. And it was so good for me that they tried to give it to somebody else that it didn't work for because it was natural with me. Well, they definitely gave it to somebody else and they tried to, uh, you know, force that on. Did it, did it work? No. Nope. Did it work? Not like you. No, no, I think people still associate it with with, with you. Like everyone was yeah. like, oh, yeah, remember the cat had that first and then they gave I it got, to the Lotus Clay. I got, I got phone calls and everything. Even guys backstage when that happened. One guy called me. He said, hey, man, they trying to steal your shit. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, yeah, what? Look, look at it on TV. So I caught the end of the match when they were coming out and the girls came in and said, I said, so what? That's good. You know, it's good to see that you can impact something that you're involved in. Because I came up with all of that. No one... A writer didn't write that for me and say, here, this is call my mom is your little cliche, uh, your dancing move, your call, this is all. No, nobody gave it to me. I came up with that myself as I started to grow as a character. Now to see that it was just that good that you got this big, this billion dollar company reusing it for somebody else on, they, on their TV. Yeah, they... Just handing it right over, which uh, was was very un unfortunate. Um, I want to ask about. I, I know we, we have limited time. I don't want to keep you keep you too long, but I did want to ask about the your commissioner stint in WCW, and I always loved the the backstage stuff with the the Jung Dragons, Kaz Hayashi, and uh, who turned out to be Jimmy Wang Yang. Uh, those guys. What, what was what was it like working with them? Fine. My whole wrestling experience with what WCW was nothing but fun. It was all fun. And it showed in me, you know, because really I'm a quiet guy. I don't do a lot of talking. You know, I go in, I teach karate and have fun with my class. But I don't do a lot of talking. But at this time, man, I'm telling you, that time I was having so much fun. It just, it just showed through me on TV when I came out did anything. Because I was working not just to impact the crowd, but impact the boys in the back who sit back there and watch everything on the monitor and, and making them laugh. You know, so I had some fans back in the back, you know, like like Macho Man. Macho Man was one of the ones who were telling them, we need to push the cat. Hogan wanted to lose the, the championship belt to me. He suggested to the booking group that that he should, should lose the belt to me and chase me to get it back because I was over there. They struck it down because I think that was at the time when Hogan was getting ready to leave, you know? So, I mean, it was over. It was fun, man. Fun, great time. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Macho Man fan. That's a huge endorsement as well, like to have Macho Man pulling for you. 
um do you my brother may have mentioned this my brother doesn't know much about wrestling but he hears certain names and he like puts it together are you still friends with um sonny ono man i speak to sonny ono about damn near every day yeah (laughs) this is the good part most of the old guys we're still good friends and this is where wrestling where it's like you you, have you had guys ever have you ever done something and you don't know the impact of what you just finished doing until you see it later and it come back to you and you were like damn i didn't know i impacted like that as much as i did i did not make that impact sure and, and that's what wrestling is to me uh, i have done with wrestling because when I went to, let's just say, I don't go to a lot of wrestling shows. I don't, you, you're not gonna see me back in the back at WWE or back in the back at uh, AEW walking around talking to people. But recently I did, I went to uh, WrestleMania in California and I went to WrestleCon, which is a totally different event. They bring you in, sign hard around, talk to people, boom, talk to people, say hello. So after the show, I, I went I went back to my room. I'm laying in the bed, talking with my wife. Then I get a call from Sonny Elno, and he's on the phone video telling me, hey, come next door. I said, what? Hotel next door. I said, why? He said, look who's here. He showed me Shane Hams and some of the young dragon guys. They was over there. He said, come over here, Jamie Nobles and those guys. He said, come over here, everybody over here. So I, I talked about that. I said, it really wasn't next door. It was down the street. So I got in the Uber. So as I drove up to the hotel, you see a bunch of fans outside, which I used to see all the time, but I forgot they had that crowd like that. And you saw a bunch of security guards out front, front door in the front lobby. So when you drive up, what happened when you drive up, if you didn't have a key or you didn't have a room there, they wouldn't let you in. So when I drove up, I told that I got out the car and I saw all the people looking. And then soon I got in the car, one of the security came up to me and said, "Um, you got a key? Then the crowd saw me and they saw going crazy. Cat, cat, they saw calling my name, cat. Hey, cat, how you doing, cat? They saw yelling out my name. Then one of the security guards said, No, that's Ernest the Cat Miller. He's good. So I went into the lobby of the hotel. And I sit down with Sonny Ono in this lobby of the hotel, bro. And I'm telling you this right now. I never felt so proud of a couple of, of any kind of comfort movement that I've done or had in my life, then I felt that moment in that wrestling circuit. And not circuit, but the circle. Because you can't just look at it and say, you know, maybe at the next show, they won't treat me like that. But at that world, at that moment right there, the people I was surrounded with treated me like I was a legend. I mean, you saw people trying to big African guy, He looked over, yes, he looked over and saw me and came over, Cat, Cat, can I take a picture with you? Yes. And then I was seeing all kinds of people. 
And it was kind of funny. Hello. <laughs> you see, I'm drinking tea. That's what happens when you get old, boy, you got to drink hot tea. I drink hot tea now, and um, yeah. you're calling me young. I appreciate that. I feel old. <laughs> so, 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 man, listen, just some of the wrestlers I've seen today, I mean, they all were coming up to me. Man, I'm a big fan of you, and I used to watch you all the time. You know, all the boys came around me. It just made me feel loved, you know, and appreciated. I know, like, Shane Helms and Jamie Noble are doing producing for WWE today, and, I mean, their time in, in WCW was still was a, such a big impact uh, for, you know, everything that they learned then bringing it over to what they're kind of teaching people today. Shane Helms is, I think, one of the top producers. Name, name some of the people who was in the, that group, the, the Young Dragons. I told you, Kenneth Hayashi and Jimmy Jim Yang. It was Yang. And it was um, Jamie Noble. Yeah. Yeah, it was the three of them. Now, the way we came up with that, at that time of, uh, of doing business in WCW, I think uh, Vince Russo was there. And I had a lot of control because I was over. <coughs> I was over. And uh, I was able to call my own thing. They wanted me on TV almost every second. So I heard that they were saying, I heard them talking in a meeting. They said, listen, some of you guys just want to inform you guys. This Vince Russo talking. Uh, one of the guys in the office say, if you don't have anything going on right now, they're going to start releasing people. They're going to start firing people. So I looked around and I knew I was going to be on every segment. I was commissioner and doing all this stuff. So I, if you remember at that time, I was, on, I was working with everybody from Hogan to everybody. You know, so I was kind of gonna be on air segment, so and they let they gave me freedom to write and put together my own thing. But at that time I started thinking about these young guys that needed an opportunity, and I just didn't want to see them fired. So we sat out and I came up with the thing. I said, listen, <clears throat> I'm a karate guy, right? I said, why don't we make this even fun? Like, I don't know if you guys ever watch this so-called Pink Panther. Mm -hmm. The Pink Panther was always this detective who knew karate. I always act like he was going to hurt somebody doing karate. So I said, listen, let's come up with this. This is what I want to do. I want to use those three guys. They're going to be asking me for matches, and I'm going to be turning them down, but I'm going to give them a, another job. They're going to be my little karate cronies. They're going to follow me around and attack me and let me practice my karate. Yeah, so the young dragon will go be my karate crony. I said, I need those guys and what they're going to do. And we're going to make it interesting. They said, how are you going to make it interesting? I said, they're going to be like my karate students. So they're going to follow me around. Anytime I look like I'm not paying attention, they're going to jump out at me and make me kick and do all my karate stuff. They said, how is that going to work, though? I said, I don't know. I figured it out. So... We saw using this imaginary music first. Like I can be sitting in my office and I hear some music playing. Then I look around. I'm like, where's the music coming from? There's no radio, no speaker. Where's it coming from? And then you look behind the light poles or something like that. 
and you see these three guys trying to hide behind something and they really not hiding but you see them looking at me that was the gimmick i came up with for them just so they can make it through that moment just to stay around to keep the jobs and then as you know they went on to have good individual careers and i'm not saying i saved their career because they was already talented but i did help them with that that just to get over that spot one of my favorite ones was you were you were like getting out of the the limo of the car and they were just there, like there they just appeared and you're like where did y'all even come from like what is yeah. going on here <laughs> yeah hey man listen jamie and i and shane and us listen everybody at that time that was in wcw we still pretty good friends we all even even mike sanders y'all know you remember of course, above average absolutely yeah yeah mike sanders good voice he was a good speaker. He he Mike would even do well today in the business if he was there doing something because you know he was always just well spoken. Words just flow off his tongue. He could tell lies and you never even know it's a lie. So you know he would pre he would do pretty good in this in this day world because you know the guys today all they could do is talk. They don't scare me. Do they scare you guys? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not a trained you know, three-time world karate champion or, you know, a professional wrestler. So all these guys intimidate me a little bit. But <laughs> but, for, but, for, but for what I've heard, Ernest, and this is kind of the last thing I've got for you, um, I, I know you're around town. You're you're all over the place and you you train a lot of people. But I hear you still very much have it yourself. I've heard that if you go into the gym and you want to you want to try Ernest the Cat Miller, like, bad idea. Um can you just let people know kind of like how important it is for you to like stay in kind of the karate shape that you're still in to this day and then also how important it is to pass that along to like the next generation you you know with me i never stopped doing karate even when i was young karate wasn't just something for me to do man it was like an elevation it was something that elevate me out of the condition out of the place i was in and you know, when you at that age, when I was at the age nine to 10, that was a little, it was like you in between, you know, you're not a teenager and you, you know, people have, sometimes they said that is the age where you have psychological problems and issue can occur because you just, you're trying to find your identity. So karate, I started karate at that age and it really kind of elevated me into who I wanted to be a martial artist karate. So that means I didn't just take one style. Once I finished with that style, I was like, well, I'll go do it again. I've been doing it, I'm 60 now. I've been doing it like 50 years. And I don't remember one whole week without going to a karate class in my whole life. And I'll tell everybody, I said, what made me different from when I was 35? I could beat you up a mile away. I start talking to you. I can run up on you and kick you. I can beat you up in the whole room. But now you lose a little speed, you lose a little uh, strength, but you gain knowledge and you gain uh, uh, weapons. And I've taken now, I got six black belts and I'm working on a Japanese style Oyama, which your brother see me in the class sometimes. And it's one of the hardest style you ever wanted to take. 
It's the hardest job I've ever taken. But it taught me how not to have not to have weapons, but to be a weapon. Now I can beat you up in a telephone booth. Yes. I don't need the distance. <laughs> yeah. I can take somebody around. I can take somebody and do whatever I want to do with them from a distance, mid-range, or in a telephone booth. Okay, well, I'm gonna about it. I'm a weapon. If you don't believe yeah. me, uh, I'm no. around the school in, in Santa Spring every Sunday. Whoever yes. don't believe me, whoever watching this right here, come and try me. I got yeah. open doors. Man, I heard the people at I heard the I heard the people at American Top Team are afraid of you, man. Oh my goodness! So so this is <laughs> they're not afraid of me, but I went I went down to spar with them about maybe a couple of weeks ago. And let, let's just say about 20 guys in there and on my way out the locker room, somebody who knew me from days gone past said before I even hit the mat, I heard him talking to another guy in the locker room. He said, oh, guys, don't know what they're in for once he get out there. And this was him not knowing what I could do or what I could still do. But once I got on that mat, man, I went about 20 rounds. If you want to hit hard, we hit hard. <clears throat> If you want to kick fast, we kick fast. If you want to take me down, you they got took down. If you want to try to choke me out, they got choked out. This is what I told my friend. They said, you too old to be doing that. And I said, these are guys who've been in the business one year, six years. Two young guys, about 20, about 20 to 30 guys. I did three minutes with every fighter. And I told my friend who, who told me I shouldn't do that because of my age. I said, listen. I've been doing martial arts for over 50 years. If I can't go and neutralize a whole school, I'd waste my time. In the dojo, if I can't neutralize that whole school, well, I said neutralize, take what they have and make it useless. Don't take it from them. I'm not gonna take it from them. I'm gonna take what they have, figure out what they trying to do with it, then I'm gonna make it useless. That's neutralizing for me. And my fact, I think I'm gonna start doing that every weekend or every school I find. I'm gonna mark my calendar and I'm gonna go every weekend to a school and neutralize it. Okay. All right, this needs to be oh, yeah. a series. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna document because no, so this the cat is not exaggerating, by the way. The reason I brought up American Top Team is because I've heard this story. I heard that you went and you did this. Like I heard that my brother's exact words, he called me. I think he saw it. He called, he's like, dude, the cat just took out the whole school. He wiped the he wiped the whole the mat. He took everyone. And I was like, I was, I was talking to people when they came up. They didn't know who I was. They thought just this old guy there. I said, "How long you been doing it?" Oh, four years with a little Adam. And where the one first year, I've been doing about a year. I said, "Oh, okay." So we start working, boy. I let him see what he wanted to do. I'm not gonna tell them not to hit me hard, not to kick fast, not to move. Let's just move around. I don't say anything. Only thing I ask is how long have you been doing it? If they said we've been doing it one year, that just give me a gauge on to keep them safe without doing something that's gonna hurt them. I can kind of tell what they should know, what they might know. One guy came on and said he was a jujitsu guy. And he said, so we a kick, kick. I said, how long you been doing? He said, six years. So this guy decided he would go kick, punch, and grab and take down. So he kicked, punched, grabbed, and tried to take me down, and I stepped out of it. 
Then I showed them how to do it. I kicked punch and threw the most bad. I, I haven't thrown the sweep like this in so long. His back hit the ground and came up and hit my hit my hands. He went down so fast. The back, and the only thing he did when I helped him up, he smiled. He was like, I knew you were gonna try to get me back. I said, no, see, you're wrong. I didn't try to get you back, I got you back. <laughs> so, so, so today, that is where my fun is at. My fun is in the world of combat and martial art, teaching, showing off, not trying to fight, not trying to get in the ring and fight anyone. You, you know, I'm not doing that. But with this style that I'm taking, it's a Oyama, Oyama style. This name of it is born in Japan and have been around for years. And one of the um, Shihans is 87 years old, one of the guys that started this style. And the only thing I'm a brown belt now. So to get my black belt, I got to go to Japan. And I got to do a hundred man kumite, and I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. Was it like a knowledge kind of where you fight each yeah. guy, like it's like a secret <clears throat> gathering almost? Yeah, sorry. So that is why I need. That's where I'm going. I'm going to do that. That's part of the test. I got to go to Japan to fight them, and I'm taking Sonny Ono with me. And then while I'm over there. They want me to fight in this tournament called All Japan Tournament. And I'll fight someone my age, they said. But see, 40 and up, from 40 years old to my age of 70, I'm the LeBron James of karate. <laughs> there's nobody, there's nobody can beat me over 40. I don't give a damn who they are. They could be champion back in the day. And I with six black belts and six styles, I can fight people, I can fight anybody in the kind of way. I don't have to go and so I need to learn this style, learn this. Remember, I've been practicing for years. Yes. So I've been practicing knowing different styles. And now it's just I'm not afraid to to kind of get in with anybody because what I'm gonna see is I'm gonna understand something that they're trying to do. See the thing about martial arts and combat fighting people lose focus on what they want to do because they so focused on trying to stay out of what these guys are trying to do to them. You know, you see jujitsu on the floor, they pulling at your back while you looking at them, you trying to get out of what they're doing, but what you ain't thinking about is, now what can I do to him? Me, I figured out, but it take me about maybe 20 seconds. So I, Sometimes I can look at people's eyes. If they look at my legs and they think I'm going to kick, they must be a kicker. If they're looking at my hands and they're moving away from my hand, they must be a puncher because they know how to defend it. So I got it across the board. I wish I had you two guys right here in this room with me right now. I would beat the hell out of you guys. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> doubt that at all. And this is some of the greatest stuff I've heard in my life, I by the way. Be, like, I, I would beat the hell out of you guys, man. But yeah, I hey. won't hurt you. I will hurt you because I like you two guys. Hey, hey here's here's the, I say, here's the here's the good news, Ernest. This this is my last thing that I had for you before before we start wrapping up here. You know, I'm local, and I would love like one of my New Year's resolutions would be I got to come in and get a session from you. You got to teach me some karate here in Atlanta, bro. Bro, listen, I like your brother. He's a one of the nicest young men I've ever 
ever met. Respectful, quiet, kind of like. I really, I really appreciate this guy knowing this guy. And we don't do nothing but say hello to each other and talk a little about fight. But he's such a nice young fellow, man. It's just hard. It's just so you don't meet good people all the time now. <clears throat> Most of the time when you meet people, they want something from you. Don't nobody come find come looking for you just to give you something. You meant, you know, you got givers and takers. And uh every now and then I can recognize a giver. I think your brother is a giver. Yeah. He'll really appreciate hearing that, by the way. That's really kind of you to say that. And, and I really appreciate you for joining us. Like, you know, I know you said you don't do a lot of these kind of interviews and, you know, we're, we're lifelong fans. You, you, you know, I don't. You saw my, my, my camera kept falling. <laughs> <laughs> people calling me and, yeah. So, you know, I don't do a lot of these, but I, I enjoy this, man. Thank you. We enjoy we, it. But we you, know appreciate. What I, you know what I want to have? I want you guys to have. Help put out the word right here. Yes. The Cats Corner Podcast. And on this podcast, man, we already shot like about 12 to 14 episodes. We got Goldberg, Mark Henry. We got Usher Raymond, one of my black belt. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Usher, one of my black belt. A lot of Emmanuel Lewis. You remember Emmanuel Yeah, Lewis? of course. Usher. Yeah. We got him. We got doctors. We got... Uh, we got a uh, crowbar. I just got crowbar. Y'all don't remember? Nice. Crowbar. Of course, of course, I remember crowbar. Crowbar. Absolutely. He's still wrestling. Yeah. yeah. We even wrestling. got one of the guys I wanted to get so bad. Just have a conversation with him. We got um Sarge. Sarge used to run the Buddy Lee Parker. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We got him. We got to hear his story. What he been up to, man? You know who did he not like in the power plant? You know. uh what happened with him after the days of WCW? So we got a, I got a lot of stuff. And what I decided to do, I decided to take them first, and then just put them away. And we're gonna start putting them out in January. But the one with Goldberg, interesting. Uh, um, I even got a shout out with Triple H on him for about maybe five minutes talking about it. You know, so I got, I just got some of my friends on here. You know, and uh, it's going to be pretty good when it come out. And one thing you're going to see, I'm not going to have wrestlers to come on here and talk to me and tell me, tell us anything. I'm calling them on it. You know, when they said this didn't happen to them and I know it happened, I'm going to say, brother, that's not true. If you're going to be on my podcast, Cat's Corner, you got to tell the fans the truth. So that's what, that's what I'm looking forward to coming out. And, and, and doing this, man. And anything you guys need that I can do for you, just just hit me up. Well, oh, send send you. me everything when it starts. I am yeah. the the news person on the team. I yep. basically sit around all day and listen to nothing but podcasts. So when it drops, I'm sure I'll be listening to to every episode that comes out and doing doing my best to you know get these stories out there because. And that's largely what I do for my entire day. So I appreciate you uh, you joining us. And yeah, send me send me anything. Shoot me a DM with anything. And uh, yeah, shoot sure me your phone. It. Shoot me your number so I have it because I think okay. I got yeah, shoot you, me information. Now let me ask you guys this: What? How did you guys get started? So, so this is for Fightful.com. Like, like the site itself has been around for what, like eight years, seven years now, or something like that. Then sixteen. Yeah. So, um, but I got started uh, doing like my own wrestling podcast. Jeremy is the lead writer here for the website. 
Um, I don't want to speak for Jeremy too much, but I, I've been doing it for a handful of years. But I started here with Fightful about five years ago. Uh, I mainly cover independent wrestling, but I also talk, you know, WWE, AEW, that kind of stuff too. So, so what 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 do you think about the independent wrestling circuit now? What do you think about it? Who I mean, who is, I, who is the top one out there? What top group out there? Oh, the top group is Game Changer Wrestling (GCW). I would say. Um, the one that started at twelve o'clock. It's usually late. Yeah, when they run the West Coast yeah. shows, they run, they run, yeah, they'll start at like 11 yeah. p.m. sometimes. Um, I'd say I'd probably put them over as the top indie, indie promoter. They talked they talk me into doing this show last year. And I wrestled. Um, you wrestled Janella on one yeah, of their shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey Janella. And, and he, he talked me into it. You know, he was like, Chad, you one of my heroes, man, legend. Uh, please just come and wrestle with me. And I'm still in a pretty damn good shape. I still run, jump, and do everything. So I get in the ring with this guy, and he wanted to call all this stuff. I said, we don't need to call anything. Just get out there and have fun. He said, okay. So I gave him one spot. It was a spot where he was going to kick my knees, and I was going to go down to the ground. Then he was going to – I was going to lift me up, and then he was going to kick me across my chest. So everybody know – you kick if you kick up, you kick up, then you kick across the chest. Then the kick up will make you stand up straight. Then the kick come from the side. So keep everybody safe. Man, let me tell you something. This guy kicked me in my chest so hard, I saw stars. I got up off that ring, man, that beat the dog shit out that kid. I hit him with chops and kicks. But he understood, like, I woke the cat, cat up. So after the match, he said, I had a great match with the cat, man. The cat didn't know Joey, but Joey woke the, finally woke the cat up. So it was a good time, man. I, I like that. But you know what I don't like about, about the business too much? What's that? You get guys like this, though, man, that don't know about it. They can't pay nobody no career. They're going to wrestle for them. You can't take care of nobody with the money they pay. Why do they all act like they're WWE or AEW and they're Vince McMahon or Tony Khan? Yeah. That that is, I know a lot of independent wrestlers are still have to work uh, a second job because the, the money isn't always there, just traveling every every single weekend. Uh, some do well. Janelle is actually one who does very well just wrestling independently for full time. There's guys like Matt Cardona, of course. Some guys who might have like the clout from being on television previously, they can, you know, still all the merchandise. That was actually something I wanted to ask you about. That I I know we're already run long on time for you, but if you don't mind, no, like, it's okay. It's like, all right. like I there's a there is a lack of your merchant. Like you you don't have you don't have figures. You don't have like like you you need to have like the Mattel Legends figure. You need to have like an AEW Luminary figure. Like why don't you have more merchandise that's available? You, you know why? Because WCW when I start coming near the top like that, rising up, and everybody wanted my call my mama shirts. They were they were everybody wanted my karate stuff. Everybody wanted my James Brown stuff. But the thing was, WCW was in such a way that that they come, they wasn't no more concentration on building the brand of WCW. 
You know what right. I mean? It was not focused on let's build this brand by putting out this merchandise. Let's do this. Right then, by the time I got to the top, it was more like, you know, WCW may not be around in a while, in a long time. So why put out merchandise? And then when I got the duck, I get calls, you know, when people want to do stuff with me. But yeah. you know what, man? I ain't going to sign this stuff and have people making stuff of merchandise for me. And I, I have no control of what they do and how much they're doing it and if I like it or not, you know? Yeah, that's understandable. I was I was curious about that because I know like Glacier's got like a micro brawler and like they're making some like newer figures for some of these guys. I don't know if like maybe you'd been approached because I would love to get like a modern day Ernest the Cat Miller figure that I could like bring to you and get signed at a show or like a WrestleCon or something like that. It'd be really cool to be able to have something that like fans could bring to you. Uh, are you guys going to Russell, WrestleCon next year? Indeed, I, I think it's in Philly. What's yeah, Russell? Mania's in Philly. Yeah. yeah so it's it always around there. You guys yeah. going there next year? I, I won't be there. I don't know about Jeremy though. I don't know. I it's it's iffy. It's iffy. So Jeremy, what 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 platform do you write for now? Oh, also also Fightful. It's it's all under Fightful and I'm the, the lead news writer. So again, I spend most of my days uh listening to podcasts, uh listening to interviews and then writing about the interviews or just whatever news is out there, but also doing my own interviews and, and things like that. So what what kind of what kind of um what kind of interviews making the go rounds out there, really making some headlines out there now? Uh, one today I listened to Mike Rotundo, uh, who Mike Rotunda, uh, you know, Bray Wyatt's father, uh, and he was reflecting on the loss of, of Bray. And he said that WWE put Bray on a legends deal. Uh, that was something that I listened to today and that, uh, did a big write up on, on that. So that was a big, big article today. It's a lot of people who are still in the business. Like, uh, you know, it's like Becky a, Lynch says something, uh, I have a really good one. That's relevant that, Ernest might have an opinion on actually. So there was a big one that you actually wrote on yesterday. There's a story that that came out about the Undertaker. He talked about oh, yeah. how that how CM Punk <laughs> claimed that he could tap out Bobby Lashley or Shelton Benjamin and like like make them tap out to his jujitsu. And apparently it didn't go very well for him. He got pinned in like 40 seconds. Like, what do you feel about a story like that? Like being a martial artist yourself. I could look at someone and tell whether or not they could fight. <clears throat> when yeah. I looked at CM Punk fight, his real fight, I got 12-year-old kids who are not CM Punk out. Yeah. Jeremy, yeah, make sure you write that right there. Oh, I, I, I Make sure I, you write that. Yeah. I think, I think he's probably the worst fighter but any kind. He might be good for wrestling. <clears throat> <clears throat> he may be good for wrestling, but hell, I don't understand this business anymore. And write this, Jeremy. I don't understand how a guy can expose himself to being such a sorry fighter and then all the company bring him back to talk bad like he can beat everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Right oh, that just made Jensen's back, day. Back in the day when we were wrestling, if a wrestler went in and did a tough man, I did a karate show. How can they come back if they got, if listen, let me tell you, I got video footage of me knocking guys out. 
knocking guys out. Yes. That's the video that they use to say, hey, this guy right here is a real legit fighter. Right? So I was able to do that. Can you imagine if I went and got my ass beat by the worst guy in the UFC or the worst guy out there? Man, let me tell you something. I would never be on TV again back in the old days. How in the world does this guy get exposed to being a terrible fighter? And he was. There's nothing about him that says he could fight. I agree. I completely agree. No, I, I saw the entire UFC run. Like a lot of people hate me because I say what you're saying, but I don't have the legitimate background that you have. So I actually, I like that you're saying this because you are credible and know what you're talking about. And you're saying what I've been saying. So thank you. And what I'm saying about Bobby Lashley and Sheldon Benjamin, they got a history of wrestling, right? So yeah. that's something they can do. They're not standing up saying, I don't have a history of nothing, but I can fight. You got to have a platform, a foundation first before you can even set out. Like if I can't beat you standing up, I'm a wrestler or I'm a jujitsu black belt, I can beat you on the ground. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That right there sound reasonable. But somebody like CM Punk, I didn't see not one thing that he did that could even substantiate saying anything about what he can do as combat for. He can't throw hands. He had no hands, no punching, no no power. He didn't have any movement to show that maybe he was a boxer. He he went out and I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. He didn't even look like he tried to wrestle. Yeah. But yet and still, this guy's on TV making millions of dollars talking because the fans today are stupid. The fans want to the fans want to believe what they want to believe. You can show somebody something. You can show somebody something, and if they see it, now they got to determine whether or not they're gonna believe it can be or it can't be. And that's what I'm saying. And I just you just showed them. I just showed you somebody who can't fight. Yeah. But yeah, now you take him yeah. back and put him in a ring and think he can beat up everybody. He can wrestle six, but that's wrestling. That's just what wrestling is about. Right. Yeah, that was. That was I can't I can't I got nothing to follow that up with. That way you just you just put you just vilified so many things that I've been saying that people said I was crazy about saying. Like I like hearing that someone of your caliber has, has said this as well. I appreciate that. Man, listen, I mean that's the truth. I don't I've met the guy about once or twice, you know, but um like like oh I, I'm gonna use an example. And he'll tell you this. I got footage video. Goldberg practice. When he left WCW and WCW, he practiced with some of the legends of UFC. He used to go in there and practice as far with all these guys. And he'll talk about it. If you go back on his page, he talked about UFC guys. He talked about all the top fighters. He would go in and, of course, they would invite him in and work with him. And he was showing all these videos. So one day, when they was in San Diego, Goldberg invited me up. And Goldberg and I had worked out before. I kind of took it easy on him. So Goldberg invited us up. I went up there. He had three of two of his guys up there out of his Muay Thai school. So he set up the camera. I'm watching this whole thing. He set up the camera, got the camera ready. He got in the ring. I moved around with the first two guys. 
And then Goldberg got in the ring and they turned the camera on. I don't know what Goldberg was expecting, but nobody ever seen the video. And you know why? Because it wasn't what he think he was going to get on the video. <laughs> it wasn't what he could think. Matter of fact, one of his guys was saying, man, I've never seen anybody move Goldberg like that. So what you mean? He said, turn his back to the rope, turn him away from the rope. I said, it's, it's not about power. It's about swiftness and movement. Make him think you're going one way, then go the other way. So I was able to turn it. If he pushed me back up against the rope, boo boo, I was able to turn him. People don't understand. I chose pro wrestling over fighting. UFC was where I was supposed to be. Dana White, Eric Bischoff, and I sat down, and they said, we want you right here. He brought They brought in Don Fry, uh, Morocco, somebody. I forgot the guy named, last name Morocco, one of the UFC guy, Don Fry, Dan Severin, and, and somebody, Tank Abbott. All those guys and I were sitting at the table. They were trying to put together a fight with us. But Eric Bischoff looked up and said, hey, you're going to make more money with WCW. So I chose WCW. Wow. Well, I can go and do this every night and get paid more money. And I think I chose right. But I did look at Dan and, and uh, uh, Don Fry, who kept eyeballing me, thinking, like, maybe I want to try you. And I told, I swear, in front of everybody, Eric Bischoff sitting on my right. Um, Don Fry sitting right in front of me and Dana White sitting on my left and we all talking and I told them right then I said listen I watched it you know and they were trying to get WCW to pitch in they were trying to get something where we can unify WCW to unify and bring this promotion together make a creative promotion and I looked at Everybody, and I said, when they asked me, would I do it? I told Eric, Eric, I'll do it. He said, okay, let, let's work on it first. I said, listen, I've seen all these guys fight. <laughs> and I looked right at Don Fry. I haven't seen anybody who can beat me. And Don Fry kept looking at me. And I don't know if you ever met Don Fry, but he had the biggest mustache I've ever seen. And he was looking at me. And he kept mouthing under his breath, but he kept, I could read his lip and you can hear him a little bit. He kept saying, get in the cage, get in the cage. That's all he kept saying. I said, I didn't see no one do anything that I couldn't stop. And that's how close it was to coming. But then Eric puts me in my ear, you're going to make more money with us. Wow. Try, I would have kicked that damn mustache off his face. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wow. I, that's, I had no idea about that. That's very, yeah. that's very cool. That That's where they wanted me to go. They wanted, they, Eric Bischoff had this all put together before it was, before it was UFC. Eric Bischoff was going to unify this whole thing. Wrestling, WCW with the UFC and mixed martial arts. Him and a guy from Japan, Master Ishii, Ishii. And uh, I think his name was Ishii. He's on K1 and all that stuff. And it was Rick Rufus with us. I told him, I said, nobody in there could beat me. Nobody. Neither one of y'all chumps. 
I mean, Tank Abbott ended up in WCW. Yeah. They all ended up. They all ended up yeah. in wrestling a little bit, but see, yeah. they, they they brains were beat up by that time. Yeah, and they got they figured out we ain't making no money at this. No, they they weren't making anything in those early UFC days. <laughs> like those guys didn't get paid they nearly paid, enough for what they, they were going get through. They paid just enough money to pay their doctor bills. Right. Yeah. Probably even, a lot of them losing money. Huh? Yeah, so probably a lot of them losing money on the doctor's bills. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. the wind, even with a wind, you you can break your knuckle, you can hurt your elbow, and just so much, so many things can happen in that combat world, world when you fight. That's why I did a lot of tournament fighting. So why I did a lot of tournament fighting because you at least if you win. You don't have to knock yourself out. You ain't got to knock the guy out, but you can convincingly dominate someone in the circle. You know, people say, how are you going to do that? You just tap. So get out there and see. Stevie Ray just challenged me. Wait, you said Stevie Ray challenged you? Yeah, Stevie Ray challenged me to a fight. Him and Son Elno got a podcast. He just challenged me to a fight. He said it had to be first karate. And then the second will be boxing, and that's what he's gonna knock me out. Wait, so you guys are gonna do a you're wait, are you considering this? Are you oh, do you want to yeah. do it? Yeah. Oh wow. Great. I love this Mr. Bro. Stephen Ray is a legend. One half of Harlem Heat. He's still in great shape. He's big as I don't know what. He's a I mean, he loves boxing. Boxing is his thing, but I know how to fight. I don't know if he ever been in a fight. If, you know, if just the first people, round, huh? If the first round is karate, <laughs> will there be a boxing fight? That's what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> right. But, see, see, yeah. So what he planned to do is he said he took a couple of karate classes before. So what Steven planned to do is running around, running around just to get into that second. Then he thinks he can come up and do boxing. Well, now he's exposed his game plan, so that's not very smart either. Yes, yes it's not really <laughs> smart. Son, he don't know. Sonny Ono is the plan. He's there for me. Sonny Ono get all the information for me. But Stephen <laughs> Ray been online talking about it and said that's what he wanted to do. So, listen, any wrestling guy out there, anybody in wrestling, I don't give a damn who it is. Anybody in wrestling, if you want to kickbox, box, Jiu-jitsu, anything you want to do. I'm your man if they want to do it. Try me. I'm now, a real weapon. Does that include full MMA? Like you mentioned all of the aspects of MMA individually. Would you do an MMA fight? Against a wrestler? Hell yeah. Ain't about out there. Y'all know. Of course yeah. I will. And that's Hell the yeah. I mean, that's the challenge. It yeah. ain't because I need the money or I want to fight. It's more because... I want to shine. I want I want people to still talk about me again as a as a fighter. I know they said, well, it's a time come when you need to retire. If I ever get in trouble with something I can't get out of, all I do is I'm gonna bite, kick, take the shoe off, swing, I'm calm, I'm doing everything. Well, I hope this happens. I would love to see you versus really any professional wrestler. I think it'd be great. Well. Well, we'll get it done, then, my man. Hell yeah. Oh, Ernest, the cat, Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. Right, 
let everyone know where they can find you at. Man, of course, on social media, Ernest the Cat Miller. Um, be on the lookout for the Cat's Corner podcast, social media, YouTube, wherever you go to get the podcast. Be on the lookout for us because I'm going to have some guys on there. I'm not going to let them lie. They're going to have to tell the truth. And I'm asking some tough questions. I look forward to to listening to it again. I'm sure I'll be covering it plenty. And again, send me anything you, you need to send to make sure it gets right. out there. Thank you. Thank you so All much right. for joining All right, us. Brother. Thanks for having me. You guys Thanks, have Ernest. a good right. Thank you Thank very you. much. Bye-bye. Guys, we'll be right back here on the spotlight. Big thank you to Ernest the Cat Miller for joining us in the creator spotlight. Uh, yes, uh, I get feedback on this. Uh, the greatest interview of all time. I've got two weeks worth of articles out of this. And uh, yes, I'm getting some some juicy quotes. My favorite was when he was like, make sure you write that. Uh, he wanted to make sure that CM Punk quote gets out there. Bless Jensen. He knew exactly what he was doing, trying to set that up there. His cat doesn't care. Cat does not care. We appreciate Ernest Cat Miller joining us on the show. Uh, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in hanging out with us for the last few hours here. Hope everyone has a good weekend. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, it's our last show before Christmas. Next week, we'll be back our last show of the year. So we, we appreciate everyone joining us today. Appreciate all the super chats, all the, just the chat interaction, all the, everybody just being here with us on this Thursday. We'll be back next week. Brand new episode of the spotlight. Head over to fightfloverbook.com. Check out interviews that we got p- posted over there. Check out a uh, Crest stars interview with Gringo Loco. That's on the main channel, but you can check that out. That's a uh, premiering now. Uh, check out Crest's interview with Gringo Loco and uh, yeah, head over to fightfloverbook.com. All the, all the shows and interviews we have going up on Fightful Overbooked. Head over to Fightful.com. All the news, Fightful Select, all the news before anybody else. Guys, we'll be right here next week with a brand new episode of The Spotlight. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone. Take care.